Nothing in two. Come on now. Smith comes out of the Tomahawk. 0-2 on the way. Chopper out to Dansby. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. The Atlanta Braves have won the 2021 World Series in six games over the Houston Astros. Pure euphoria down on the field as they're bouncing all over the infield. And in the booth. Celebration going on on the field, and folks, this is what dreams are made of. And for the 2021 Atlanta Braves, the dream has come true. They are world champions in 2021. What an incredible moment and a wonderful time for all of us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Race and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood world champion Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. Cam, how are you today? What? Shaking, Megan. Uh, what's shaking are probably still the rafters at Truist Park after the watch party last night. Um, Good Lord. I don't know if you guys have heard, but the Atlanta Braves are the 2021 World Series champion of the World Series champion of the world. Hot damn. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's but before wild. we get into it, Got to tell you guys about some sponsors. We have Sports Drink, who brings you this podcast and tons of fine others. You can check out their new website at sportsdrink.org. You can find our podcast and our friends Doc and Dylan over at the Platinum Sombrero, who I know are going to be doing some awesome episodes this week. Go check that out. And speaking of Doc and Dylan, as we always talk about, you can find them on Thursday nights on Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is an audio-only sports talk platform that's basically like a live podcast. You log on there, you, you can join in with your, your favorite podcasts who are, uh, who are hosting rooms there. Basically, get in and actually interact with them as they're hosting their show. Uh, really cool concept. You can download it for free on the Google Play or the iOS uh, the iTunes Store. Uh, really, really awesome stuff. Uh, we also have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.simbull.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code SD, that's SD for sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Visit www.symbol.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. 
join Symbol, and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. And you'd be a rich man today if halfway through the month of August, you would put some money on the Atlanta Braves to win the World Series. Because I believe at one point in time, we were given 0.3% odds of winning the World Series in 2021. What were the uh, what were the odds as of like eleven fifteen p.m. on November second? Um, <laughs> pretty great. I'd I say. gotta imagine they're pretty good. Yep, yep. Boy, it is a uh, let's see. It's been what about a week and a half since our last episode since we we waited till the conclusion of the World Series. Yes, yes, yes. My God, worth the wait. Oh man, I, and and let me let me just throw this out there. Um, we've done this show for two seasons now. Uh, the Atlanta Braves have won the World Series uh, in fifty percent of the seasons that we've been broadcasting episodes. I mean, so uh, I, you know, if if there's a prop bet for the Atlanta Braves winning the 2022 or 2023 World Series, might want to jump on that. There you go. Because we ain't going nowhere. I'm not leaving. Not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I know I I know the last episode that we did, I we you and I were both pretty pretty subdued, pretty pretty mellow, you know, in, in the moment. Um that is not going to be this week's episode. I I I'm, I'm pretty pretty pumped, I'm not gonna lie. I I, I it's still it still doesn't feel real to me. No, no, I agree. Like after that initial shock wore off when it when we finally got that last out last night, it just I I I my my mind went to this place of like like you're dreaming. This this isn't like you're gonna, you're going to wake up game 7s tomorrow. Like you better be ready at 809 on Wednesday. Yeah. I know. Um, you know, we, we got the we got and, and obviously we're, we're going to do similar to the last episode. We're, we're going to do a deep dive in, into each of the six games that, that we just watched, you know. But after we got the, the final out, you know, and like you said, the initial shock of it all. And then, you know, you end up staying up till past two o'clock in the morning watching post game and highlights and, you know, thumbing through Twitter because everybody is just up and celebrating. And I think. You know, I think the, the group chat you and I are in, we're, you know, still sending messages back and forth to each other, like, well into the wee hours of the morning this morning. And Oh, yeah. You know, it was, it's... I I, yeah. I got to bed barely before the sun came up. Yikes. <laughs> well, oh, to be fair, I'm, I'm running on about three hours of sleep right now. Uh, uh, I, I am running on coffee and adrenaline. Yeah. And then, you know, you... You, you go to work today, and like in my case, it is well known within the the large building that I work in that I am the baseball guy. I am the Braves guy. So it was kind of neat, just kind of sitting in my office today, you know, work, working on whatever. And you know, like, folks are literally stopping by my office or coming across the hall to poke their head in my door to talk to me about last night. Yeah. And, you know, that's really where it just kind of all started soaking in, where I realized that, you know, they actually did this thing. And that's that's really, really cool to me. Um, 
I don't know. It, it, it's just... I, I, I... Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf build a rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down, okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. I've got a lot of thoughts. and it, I feel like this is going to be one of our most fun episodes, We, if not the most fun episode we've ever done. But I think it's going to be one of the more challenging ones, too, because I don't quite know how you encapsulate everything that happened this season into, you know, the next however long this podcast lasts. You know? I I I don't think I don't think it's it's possible to to put everything into words that that needs to be put into words in in one episode. So um we'll we'll be talking about this one for a while. Um yeah. but yeah. And just because the season's I, over, this isn't our, this isn't our last episode of the season either. Like we're, no, you know, we're, 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 we're going to drag this out a little bit, but you know, I, I mentioned something to you last night, Cam, uh, or maybe it was this morning. It's all kind of a blur at this point. Um, you know, I remember sitting back in 2019 and and watching the Washington Nationals just mow through everybody in the postseason. Yeah, uh, and and remember how how unlikely that was, how bad that team was for, for stretches during the 2019 season. Um, and, and how jealous I was of, of their fans for having to, having gotten to experience that kind of a, a turnaround. Uh, because like I've said a million times, it is, it is not always the best team that wins the world series. It is the team that gets hot at the right time. And and by God, that finally happened for us. We yeah. we were we were a garbage team for like four months, and then all of a sudden, things just started to click, and and we started winning some games, and we started winning a few more games, and then by the time we got to to mid to late September. All of a sudden, this this team that we had been to hell and back with over the course of the season looked like a legitimate threat to make some no- noise in the postseason. Now, I, I I don't think realistically any of us can say that you know going into this postseason we felt a hundred percent confident that that the Braves were going to just mow everybody down and win the World Series. Um, the word perseverance comes to mind um, to, to be able to endure what this team endured, not, you know, expecting to have your best pitcher back this season and having him tear his Achilles, um, expecting Ronald Acuna Jr. to run away with the MVP award this season, which he was absolutely going to, and then tear his knee up and miss the rest of the season. Um, guys underperforming. Freddie wasn't hitting over 200 for like six weeks to start the season. I I, I don't, 
Didn't Ozzy start like 0 for 18 or he something? Have, something ridiculous. He almost finished that too. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, well, hell, hell, Riley didn't have any hard hit balls for like the first two weeks of the season. No, no, Riley wasn't doing anything at all until he went to New York. Mm-hmm. And that one home run just barely made it over that right field short porch. And at that moment, I said, you know, I think that's it. I, I think I think he just needed to see one leave the yard. And all of a sudden, he to like, break the seal. Exactly. He just he yeah. just needed to see one go and the confidence would come back and and he would start mashing. And good God, if he didn't turn that into a damn near MVP season. Yeah. I mean, the second half. If Ron Lacuna was the, the first half MVP for this team, the Austin Riley was without a doubt the MVP of the second half of the season. Absolutely. The, the like the tear he went on after the all-star break was just just insane. Um Hey, remember when this team set an all-time Major League Baseball record for alternating wins and losses and not being able to win back-to-back games? That was this Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it sure was. Uh, What what was it, August 11th? Something like that, the first time all year we got over 500? Yeah, we played 111 games before we finally got above 500. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Gosh, you know, we started out the season losing four in a row. You know, we were behind the eight ball immediately. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those really, really just odd seasons. And like, look, I, you know, I think, I, I, I agree with a lot of the analysis that the the whole 88 win thing had too much weight in it going into the postseason because I, ideally, if you look at this team trade deadline and beyond, they literally were, you know, the best team in baseball record-wise um, or, or one of the best. So, you know, I think the whole 88 wins thing kind of <sighs> – kind of put some people off that, you know, they didn't look at the nuance of it all and realize how how solid a team the Braves had become after making, you know, making those acquisitions at the deadline. Um, well, and everybody it, it, was was ranting and raving about how the the 88 win Atlanta Braves had home field advantage in the NLCS over the 106 win Los Angeles Dodgers. But and, and and I'm certain we talked about this. Like there has to be a reward, an incentive of some sort for winning your division. There just has to be. Right. You know, and you're absolutely right. And you know, I saw a lot of whining and complaining, you know, about the position that the Dodgers were put in. But like, like you know, like you kind of mentioned, it's it's all about going you know winning your division you know win your division and you don't have to worry about being put in the wild card spot win your division and you get a chance at home field advantage and if someone in your division wins more games than you 
tough luck. Sorry. Win more next time. Yeah, exactly. The bar so, isn't set by the league as a whole. The bar is set by the teams that you compete with on a nearly daily basis. Right. So, right. so yet, did we have a lower bar to clear than the Dodgers? Of course we did. But we did it. Well, and I that's, think, you know, that's the important I, part. Right. And I think the final result speaks for itself that, you know, I don't care how bad of a division the East was. It worked out, you know. I'd say it worked out for us. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. I, I got to I got to see. Brian Snitker hoist the commissioner's trophy last night. That's right. We got I, to see we got to see the the guys take the take the champagne shower that actually really means something. You know, like was, I, I like I I get that you know there's a champagne shower for every time you advance to the next round, but that was the one I've I've been waiting to see. What a what a five or six weeks it's been. I, I the yeah. all the all this the stress the 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 late nights the the you know messed up sleep schedules that I know we've all dealt with because we've all followed this team this whole way I would do it again tomorrow if if I knew that that I could feel what I felt last night. Oh, absolutely. Like the past month has been one of the most memorable months as a baseball fan that that I've I've ever had. And, you know, as cool as as last year's postseason was, you know, the the two nail biters against Cincinnati and then, you know, the, the sweep of of the Marlins and you know, the emergence of Travis Darno in, in that round. And then, you know, the unlikely heroes in the NLCS and forcing a game seven against the Dodgers, you know, despite the kind of, you know, despite the blown lead in the series, you know, as, as fun as all of that kind of was, man, you know, you beat the Brewers in four, you, you know, after dropping the very first game and in, in what was, you know, we it seems like we had one bad game every series this postseason, but they never let it let that affect them. We didn't lose two games in a row since like mid September. That's you know? crazy. Like crazy. You know, we we would lose one and then we would immediately move on from it. And usually after we lost one game, we would have a heck of a win the next day. So I don't know. There's just there's so much to be said about about the resilience and the maturity of this team this year. And, you know, you and I have talked about it several times on the show as, as the postseason has gone on that, you know, there was no way we were going to blow the 3-1 lead to the Dodgers this year. That just was not going to happen again. And, you know, as, as tough as it was um, to lose Sunday night, to lose game five, even then, you know, you go back to Houston, you're still in the driver's seat with a 3-2 lead. And, and even at that point, I still you can't, to go back. You can't tell me, though. You cannot tell me that 
the negative thoughts didn't go through every single Braves no, fan. No, yeah, they, they absolutely did. But as I said last week, I think that's just, you know, that's natural. I, I think everybody's brain kind of goes to that. But, you know, I think the one thing I kept trying to remind myself of was, okay, this is the same scenario we were just in with the Dodgers, and the Astros aren't as good as the Dodgers. You know? So, I, I don't know. It. I think you know. I think resilient is the most is the most appropriate word to describe this team this year with everything that they went through, man. And yes, I, I know every team has has weird ups and downs. You know, over 162 games in the season. I know that everybody deals with injuries, including every team that we played in the postseason. Here, everybody had their fair share fair share of injuries, just like we did. Sure, but you know, at at the end of the day. You've gotten where you are with the team that you have, and you have to go as far as you can with the team that you have. I, I don't know. It, it's just it's so it's so fascinating to me that I, I tell you I, I look forward to. Gosh, this is going to sound outdated. I look forward to when the DVD comes out or the Blu-ray or whatever it is, encapsulating this season, right? Because I think this is one of the harder Brave seasons I've ever had to watch. You know, Sands, the, the rebuild years. It's going to have to be a 10-hour DVD. <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, you're talking about a team that, at, at times, man, this was an insanely frustrating team to watch. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Like, full, full disclosure, and I've mentioned this on the show before, there were weeks that I did not feel like doing this podcast. Oh. Because it was so hard for me to go from – you know, Halfway through this season, you and I both were just dragging our bones to the microphone to to try to get an episode out. Yeah, yeah, we really were. I mean, there's a reason that, like, for a solid, I don't know, probably six, seven weeks in a row, our episodes were, weren't even an hour long. Because, you know, we kind of got on, we talked about the week, it was, you know, the same old... Uh, well, it's been an up and down week for the Braves. That kind of became a joke. On it, it did. It, that was. It, I mean, it, it literally became a meme for like a solid two months. That it has been an up and down week for the Braves because it truly was. That's just how it was, week in, week out. You know, and I think I think for me it was so hard coming from coming from the 2019 season where, you know, you almost went other other than getting swept at the beginning of the year. You know, once you jumped in the first in May, you really ran it. You know, bell to bell in first place in the East, you won the division handedly. And then of course, you know, you had the rough spot in, in the playoffs against the Cardinals. But then, you know, last year in 2020, you know, you jumped in the first place, you rode it the rest of the way. You took it in, in mid September, um, a couple of weeks before the season ended, you made it all the way to the NLCS game seven. And then it kind of, kind of fell apart. But, you know, again, you're talking about a very, very good team last year. Coming into this season, you know, you had high hopes for this team because you had basically the whole core back. You had guys that you were expecting to come back. And then immediately everything just starts falling off the rails. You know, how excited the, the, were we about the the outfield coming into this season? Oh, dude. I mean, we, you know. And not a single member of that outfield started a single postseason game. Oh, I was I was fully prepared for Christian Pache to be rookie of the year this year. Yeah. I it, you know? And 
you know, as the wheels kind of started to come off there in the first half, you know, it, it was hard coming on here and, and trying to remain optimistic and, you know, kind of week in, week out saying, uh, well, you know, it's only been six weeks. We've still got time. Uh, well, you know, it's just May. We've still got a long way to go. And, you know, I got to be honest with you, I was definitely one of those people that when Ronnie went down, if 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 it weren't for the fact that the division lead was nowhere larger than it was, you know, I probably would have just punted on this season and said, eh, well, we'll go get him next year. Too much bad luck to overcome. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, the Mets and the Phillies left the door open. They did. I, I'll, um, I'll, I'll say this. I think that the way this season went, and 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 don't get me wrong, a, a a world championship would have been special in Atlanta given any circumstances. But I think that if the Braves had won 100, 105 games this season, I, I don't think this World Series would have meant quite as much as it did to us. No, no, I think... I think if if the Braves had had won, you know, a hundred games this year, and and gotten the same result that they just got, I think that the narrative, you know, for, for this team would have been, they were this close last year, but they put it together this season and they found a way to break through. And you know, here here is this dynasty Braves team that you know we've been talking about and waiting on that they started building up years ago. Here they are. They finally hit the stage. Whereas, you know, I feel like the narrative around this team is, you know, man, this team was on the struggle bus for a long time. But the front office made some incredibly. The balls, the balls on Alex Anthopoulos to go out and buy at the trade deadline for a team that was going nowhere. They were five games back at the deadline. They were below 500. They were in third place, five games back, below 500. And, you know, that decision by, by Anthopolis is going to be used as an example for years to come for fan bases of teams that are just right there at the deadline as a persuasion to go for. It is you know, going to be interesting to see the ripple effect throughout the league. I hell, I hope it sticks. I hope we see more teams go for it at the deadline. It'll it'll make for more exciting ball, that's for sure. It it absolutely will. You know, and, and you and know what else it'll do? With more teams going for it like that, you're going to have fewer of these monster deals for the behemoths, like the Los Angeles Dodgers or the New York Yankees. Right. Like if so, yeah. if the Nationals had gotten offers from from fifteen teams for Scherzer and Turner, there are a lot better odds that a team other than the L.A. Dodgers w- would have ended up winning. Yeah, I I, I you know I, I don't I don't mean these words lightly when I when I say I truly believe that. You know, this is a team that is going to get its fair share of of books and, you know, maybe even a documentary down the road one day. Because, you know, when you look from 
from you could almost opening... do a 30 for 30 on every player and coach on this entire roster. Right, right. When you look at opening day of this season to to last night when Freddie caught the third and final out in the World Series, when you look at everything that happened in between that, whether it was losing the first four in the season, really, I think that documentary starts at game seven last year. You know, the Braves have blown a 3-1 lead to the Dodgers. To, to big brother Los Angeles that they can't seem to get over the hump on. That is where that documentary starts. And then you move forward in through this season, and, you know, the Braves start out four games below 500. They start out 0-4 trying to climb back into things. Uh, they get demolished by Toronto and, and absolutely embarrassed. They lose their starting catcher. Uh, Mike Soroka, who was supposed to return, tears his ACL again. Um, so we don't have him, although we were expecting to get him back this year. Our big bat that we signed in the offseason gets an extensive legal trouble and will more than likely never play baseball again. Our star, our star outfielder, MVP caliber player, future face of the franchise, tears his ACL at the midpoint of the season when we are still struggling, and he was the only, the only productive player that we truly had at that point. He's out for a year. And then Anthopolis gets this crazy idea that because the two teams in front of us did not take advantage of all of this, he decides to go for it. And damn it, if the four player, four offensive players that he brought in didn't make, didn't mean a mean the difference in this being a sub 500 team and a world series championship team man you, you can't tell me that that just doesn't make an incredible story it, it's it's as incredible as ever and, and I'll, I'll even go further back than you much further than game seven of last year i'll go to the beginning of last year back to the moment where freddie freeman feared for his life from COVID before the season started. Yeah. We I'll were, tell you what. We were a I, whisker away from Freddie Freeman getting swept off of this earth away from us. And here we are a year and a half later, and Freddie's going to take Charlie to Disney World. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I'll I'll go back even further than that. And, you know, if you really want to talk about where this entire journey goes, comes full circle, like finally we have hit, you know, what appears for right now to be the absolute pinnacle, the absolute apex of this journey. I tweeted this out last night, but let me take you back to November 17th, 2014. The Atlanta Braves trade Jason Hayward and Jordan Walden to the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for Shelby Miller and Tyrell Jenkins. Tyrell Jenkins. The Braves, who in 2010 saw longtime manager Bobby Cox retire, who then in 2012 saw cornerstone face of the franchise, Hall of Fame third baseman Chipper Jones retire, who then in 2013, despite having a killer regular season, which I will still die for, um, get embarrassed in the postseason by the Dodgers, but who to thunk it, 
and then in 2014 have kind of a have a really a flat season. At the end of 2014, the Braves trade away their former first round pick, the former future of this team, Jason Hayward, who still had flashes of promise, but wasn't quite shaping up to the guy we thought he was going to be. But I don't think in any way did folks think we were going to trade him. But we trade him. And all of a sudden, this Braves team, who were perennial division winners, making into the postseason most seasons, you know, still had a had a good young core of guys, had an awesome bullpen, had a couple of young guys really starting to make their name, Freddie Freeman being one of them, and they trade away Jason Hayward. A few months later in early April, the day before the season is set to start in 2015, what do the Braves do? They trade away Craig Kimbrell, their all-star closer. The most dominant closer in the game to that point. The Braves trade him away for, at the time, who? Who did we just trade this guy away for? <laughs> and it's and it's at that point that you know, the rumors swirled when we traded Jason, but trading Kimbrell all but confirmed that the Braves, the Braves are stripping it down to the studs. We're going into a rebuild. We had already seen the Cubs and the Astros do this. And the Cubs and the Astros at this point is 2015. They're on the up and up. The Cubs are very close. You know, bear in mind that in 2015, I believe the Cubs went to the NLCS. And the Astros, they weren't far behind. They had a couple of young guys, you know, a few young guys and a good pitching staff that, you know, were really starting to find their footing in 2015. But we also saw both of those teams be horrible for years. And all of a sudden, as Braves fans, as fans who just were coming off, you know, nearly two decades of solid performance season in and season out, all of a sudden, we're looking at the fact that our our team's about to be bad. Our team's about to be really bad. <laughs> and so, you know, 2015, they kind of sputtered along, and, you know, it wasn't pretty. 2016 was really bad, if I'm not mistaken. That was the 95 lost season. Um, But Freddie sticks around. Nick Markakis becomes kind of a locker room leader, somebody that this team really needed at the time. But then all of a sudden, this funny little thing happens in late 2016. I believe Dansby gets called up, no? No, 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 late 2015 he got called up. But Dansby aside, all of a sudden in late 2016, you start to hear rumblings about these guys that, hey, the Braves have some really good kids coming up through this farm system. You know, you hear about a guy like Mike Soroka. You know, Max Freed at this point is starting to, you know, I think we're seeing him a little bit. He's filling in in the bullpen some. He's got blister issues, but there's something there with this kid. Then you hear about somebody like Ozzy Albies who, hey, don't let this kid size fool you. He's a switch hitter. He's got good pop. He's fast, and he's a dang good athlete out, out at second base. And then you start to hear about Ronald Acuna Jr., who 
for all intents and purposes, folks had to learn how to say his last name. I think a lot of people are Yeah, some people are still learning. Sometimes sometimes Braves fans have to get corrected on that by Bryce freaking Harper. <laughs> yeah, well. But you start to hear about this kid named Acuna, and hey, the Braves really have something with this guy. And then all of a sudden, he's he's the top prospect in all of baseball. And the Braves have the top farm system in all of baseball. How did you know? How did that happen? It We're was still not a great team. We're still not a great team. Hey, 27 roll, 2017 rolls around, man. And, you know, we're still kind of juggling back and forth between fourth and fifth place. Hell, the Marlins are even ahead of us this season. And, you know, the Nationals are doing their thing. Man, they look like they might make a run at it. But the Braves are still kind of puttering along. And, you know, Freddie gets hurt, but we bring in Matt Adams. And, man, Matt Adams, he kind of works out. That's crazy. Wait, Freddie's going to play third base now because Matt Adams is working out so well? Oh, but we've got Matt Kemp playing for us, too. And holy cow, he just hit three home runs in one game. Hey, you know, a little flash in the pan from Matt Kemp. Who, this Kurt Suzuki guy, you know, he's not a bad catcher. He hits pretty well. And Tyler Flowers, he's a good catcher, too. You know, two veteran guys behind the plate kind of helping guide some of these younger pitchers that, that we're starting to see. And, you know, Mike Fultonevich, man, you know, gosh, he reminds me a lot of John Smoltz. You know, big, tall, lanky, a little aggressive, has a really good fastball, but doesn't always have great control of it. Man, if he can just hone that in. And Freddie, he's still over He's still over there at first, holding it all down. Nick Markakis, he's still out in right field. You know, Nicky Twobags hitting doubles every game, holding it down. Oh, so Ozzy Albies, he's, he's making his debut now. Okay, that's pretty neat. Oh, and this Mike Soroka kid, man, he's he's actually pretty good. He's pretty well composed out there on the mound. And, you know, Max Freed, I know he's out there in the bullpen, but gosh, I, you know, maybe a couple starts here and there, and that kid could start to find some confidence. Then you roll into 2018, and now it kind of feels like, hey, the Braves might, you know, they might not do great this year they might not have a great record but you missed something very important in 2017 oh what's that well new stadium uh, well new stadium um halfway through the season though management decides that the manager needs to go you're right and they bring in this 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 old guy that we remember he used to patrol the the, uh, the third base coach's box uh, in Atlanta, uh, but he'd been down in Gwinnett. He's got a goofy mustache, a weird last name, uh, and all of a sudden you have you have a new manager. Hey, this guy kind of sounds like Michael Keaton when he talks. That's cool. <laughs> and then at the end of 2017, John Coppola gets caught doing some stuff that you know. Other teams probably do, but he was unfortunate enough to get caught. Well, crap. We need a new general manager. Copy, who has, you know, brought all these young kids in that we're hearing about and, you know, build up this farm system that that we're all hearing about. Who's this Anthopolis guy? Oh, he was with Toronto. Okay. Oh, he's he's the one that traded Syndergaard away. But he's been with the Dodgers now? 
okay, well, everybody seems pretty high on this guy. All right, let's let's see what Alex and Anthopolis, you said? Okay, okay. Well, let's see what let's see what Anthopolis can do. And so we rolled in 2018. Again, you know, I think there's some decent hopes for the team. I don't necessarily think they're high hopes, but I think people kind of look at it as well. They could compete. We, they could compete. They could make things interesting. We're going to have a lot of young kids coming up this season. If anything, this is going to be the young team that we're going to have fun watching. And Freddie Freeman, man, he just came off a heck of a season in 2017. Had he not gotten his wrist broken, who knows how well he could have done. 2018, let's rock. Ozzy Albies is your, your second baseman, you know, starting off the season. Ronald Acuna looked really good in spring training. He had that impressive home run off of off of Tanaka. Oh man! In his, in his game against the Yankees, man, this kid—he's pretty cool. He's he's got a lot of talent, but not yet, not yet, not yet. We're, we're not gonna not gonna bring him up just yet. Well, until we get into late April, then we're you know we're playing this series in Cincinnati, and we are made aware that. Ronald's getting his shot. He's getting called up, despite the fact that he hasn't really been hitting well in Gwinnett to start off the season. Like, he truly hasn't. And gets his first base hit in his first game. A little dribbler up the middle into the outfield. Cool. Single for the kid. I think it goes one for four that night. Awesome. Good for him. And then the next day, the Reds have Homer Bailey on the mound. And in his first at-bat of the game, Ronald proceeds to put one up in the third deck. And all of a sudden, you look at this team and you go, you know, we might not do much this year, but daggone it, these kids are going to be fun to watch. This is all that talent that we were waiting on. And then 2018, we kind of stick around, you know, have a winning record for first time in a few seasons. That feels pretty great. We're keeping things close. And then all of a sudden, late August, we jump into first place. Okay. Well, there's only about a month in the season left. So what do we do from here? And all of a sudden, it comes down to two teams, really. It comes down to the Braves and the Phillies. Two teams that seemingly were trying to rebuild around the same time. Hey, we sweep the Phillies in a weekend series to take the division. We just won the division. Who saw that coming? And then, of course, you know the story from there. Where... 2018, we're outmatched by the Dodgers in the divisional series, but hey, we have one of the coolest moments, you know, in Truist Park so far, the Acuna Grand Slam. You go into 2019 where it's similar high hopes, but maybe a little bit higher of expectations. We we run away with the division, but the team doesn't quite have the killer instinct le- instinct there that they need to to take down the the Cardinals. But hey, we just saw Austin Riley debut 
that's pretty cool. That kid had a heck of a first few weeks. I know we got Josh Donaldson over at third, but you know this Austin Riley kid, he he might he might just do all right. But dang, 2019 kind of ends, you know, ends on a downer. 2020 becomes what it is with with the pandemic and everything else, shortened season. But then of course you know how it all ends. We come just so close, just so close. And then we have the up and down roller coaster, which you've listened to us describe week in, week out this season of 2021. But really, I think if you just want to go all the way back, if you want to go all the way back to November 17th, 2014, when the Braves traded away Jason Hayward, purely starting the, the rebuild, it all came to a head. It, it hit its crescendo so to speak, on Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021, when the Braves became your World Series champions. Got to let that one breathe for a second. Oh, my goodness. I got chills. What do you say we take a look back at the past week, Alex? Let's do it. All right, guys, so last we spoke, we were celebrating slaying the dragon that was the Los Angeles Dodgers. But that was not to be our final battle this season. For that, we had to face the Houston Astros, the champions of the American League, who had just dispatched of the red-hot Red Sox in pretty convincing fashion. So we get yeah. to game we get to game one of the World Series. Game started out as as well as you could possibly have hoped. Jorge Soler becomes the first player in World Series history to lead off the first inning of the first game of the World Series with a home run. Third pitch of the game just hammers it to left field. Braves take a one nothing lead. After Freddie Freeman grounds out to second base, Ozzie Albies then reaches on an infield single, which then allows Austin Riley to double to deep center, scoring Albies, making it a 2-0 game before Charlie Morton ever even takes the hill. So we get to the first inning with Braves on defense, and Charlie Morton looks good to start the game. He strikes out Jose Altuve right off the bat before allowing a single to right field for Michael Brantley. Alex Bregman then grounds out to first, which moves Brantley to second. Uh, Jordan Alvarez gets walked to put runners on first and second. Carlos Correa walks to load the bases. And we're getting a little nervous at this point. Luckily, Charlie does what ground Chuck does and gets Kyle Tucker to ground out to second, ending the threat. We can all breathe a little bit now that the bases aren't loaded. Braves bats. Braves bats come right back in the second inning and pick up where they left off with Jorge Soler grounding into a fielder's choice to score Travis Darno, making it a three nothing lead. So we get back for the second inning. First batter of the second inning, Yuli Gurriel. Grounds out. But in the process hits a grounder off of the leg of Charlie Morton. Charlie still gets the out. No big deal. We keep moving along. 
Charlie proceeds to strike out Chaz McCormick before getting Martin Maldonado to line out to Freddie Freeman at first to end the inning. Braves are still up 3-0. Charlie Morton is rolling. We get to the top of the third, and the Braves will not stop scoring. Eddie Rosario leads off the inning with a single to right, immediately followed by an Adam Duvall homer to left field, making it a 5-0 ball game. At that point, Astros starter Framber Valdez gets pulled. Yimmy Garcia comes in, strikes out two of three batters, and gets Jock Peterson to fly out to right to end the threat. Braves lead five to nothing. Charlie Morton comes back out for the third inning and strikes out former MVP Jose Altuve. But on the last pitch of that at bat, Charlie fell to the ground after he he landed with his plant foot. And he got up and he motioned to the dugout that something was wrong. Um, come to find out that during the inning break between the uh, the bottom of the second and the bottom of the third, while Charlie was sitting in the dugout, his legs started to swell up from where he was hit with that line drive. So he's pulled from the game. A.J. Minter comes in in the third. Braves training staff takes Charlie Morton to the back to immediately take x-rays. Come to find out, that comebacker that the first batter hit in the bottom of the second inning that hit Charlie Morton's leg broke his leg. Now, for those of you who yeah. might have just started the episode here, that was the first batter of the bottom of the second, and Charlie Morton didn't get pulled until after he struck out Jose Altuve in the third. Charlie Morton got four outs for the Atlanta Braves in game one of the World Series on a broken freaking leg. Cool. So, in in high, well, you know, even in the moment, you know, we, you got to kind of reflect on just how insane this is. But I think even more in hindsight now, you can look at that and really just truly react like genuinely shocked how incredible that is. But this this is this is Kirk Gibson hitting a home run. This is. Um, Willis Reed coming back and helping the Knicks win. This is the bloody sock. This tops them all. Yeah. This man. The only, the only thing a, that beats this is Kurt Angle winning two gold medals with a broken freaking neck. Absolutely. That's the yeah. only thing in the same class with Charlie Morton in the 2021 World Series. Charlie Morton struck out a former MVP who is hitting the lights out in the 2021 postseason on a broken leg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so once the, I think once the shock of how incredibly ballsy and gutsy that is wears off, suddenly you realize, crap, we are without a starter for Sunday's game. Yeah, 
all of a sudden you've you've got a problem because you knew going into the series that you had three bona fide starters. And so for a seven game series, you were going to need one bullpen game. Well, now you've lost one of your bona fide starters and you're going to have to throw back to back bullpen games at home. That is not an ideal situation for a team aspiring to win the World Series. But this team is resilient. This team, as the kids say, is built different. A.J. Minter comes in, does allow a double to Michael Brantley to, to start the inning, but Alex Bregman grounds out to third, and Jordan Alvarez strikes out swinging. Minter gets out of trouble and saves the inning for uh, for Charlie Morton. And then the Braves' bats go quiet for a bit. Don't make any noise in the fourth. A.J. Minter comes back out for the fourth, does allow a run uh, on a Chaz McCormick fielder's choice uh, that scored Kyle Tucker. Braves have a 5-1 to one lead going into the fifth inning. Braves' bats remain cold against Jake Odorizzi. Uh, go down one, two, three in the fifth, but Minter comes back out for the fifth and gets the Astros one, two, three as well. Braves come back in the sixth. Don't make any noise again, but then the Braves bring out Luke Jackson for the sixth and gets out of it. Only allows one single. Braves come back in the top of the seventh. Bearing in mind, Luke's last two appearances, which came against the Dodgers, were not great. They were not good. People people were wondering if he had regressed to to 2020 Luke Jackson. Uh, And he came out and shut him up real quick because he got out of that sixth and then came back in the seventh and got the first two outs of the inning before he was pulled for Tyler Matzik uh, to face Michael Brantley and Alex Bregman. And that combo that's been working all postseason, well, it worked again because the Braves get out of the seventh inning with no trouble whatsoever. Braves come back in the eighth, have to face Ryan Stanek, one of the better relief pitchers for the uh, for the Astros. And he gets uh, he gets Peterson to ground out to second. He walks Swanson, but then Soler, of all people, reaches on an infield single. Not exactly the speed demon you would expect to reach on an infield single. Swanson moves to third. So they pull Stanek and bring in Rayleigh. Then Freddie Freeman hits a sack fly to to right field to score Dansby Swanson. Suddenly, it is a 6-1 to game. Tyler Matzik comes back out for the eighth for the Braves and does a very un-Tyler Matzik-like thing and allows a run. Carlos Correa grounded out to second, but Jordan Alvarez scores after having tripled off of Matzik to lead off the inning. Matzik proceeds to get the next three outs and end the threat from there. It is six to two Braves going into the ninth inning. Braves go down one, two, three. But then the uh, the Astros come back. And by God, they go down one, two, three, two. Braves win six to two. Steal a one, steal a game on the road in Houston, despite having lost their starting pitcher in the third inning to a broken leg. Suddenly, 
the first win in this series felt kind of easy. I don't know if easy is the appropriate word. I'm not going that far. Nobody, I, mean, I don't think anybody turned off the broadcast of the game with the feeling that that things were going good. Even well, though we won the game, had had we had we taken a hit in the war because we lost our starting pitcher for Sunday? Uh, I, I mean, I yeah. I didn't feel good about it. No, but you you still set yourself up for success because theoretically speaking, games one through four, you had a game plan for. And so being able to take that game was a big deal. I would argue that I really didn't feel nervous about game five until after game two. Fair. So we move into game two. Max Freed is on the hill for the Braves, which is always a good thing for us. And hopefully the last name I absolutely butcher this season starts for the Astros. His name is Urquidy. You're kidding. You're kidding. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, it's not like we were paying close attention to what Joe Buck and John Smoltz were saying. We were actively trying not to, in fact. Correct. So the game starts out. uh, Braves at bat. Eddie Rosario strikes out to lead off the game. Freddie Freeman strikes out right after that. Ozzie Albies again reaches on an infield single in the first inning. Austin Riley comes in right behind him and singles to right, moving Albies over to second, but then Jorge Soler strikes out to end the threat. Astros come in in the bottom of the first with Max Fried taking the hill. Max Fried allows a leadoff double to Altuve. Brantley flies out to center to move Altuve to third, and then Alex Bregman hits a sack fly to center, scoring Altuve. So the Astros strike first. They're up 1-0. Come back in the top of the second, and we need to make a little bit of noise. Unfortunately, it starts with Jock Peterson striking out to lead off the inning and Adam Duvall lining out to center. But then Travis Darneau comes up and mashes one to left field, makes it a 1-1 game. Hey. Travis needed that. Travis needed needed it. Travis Travis did. He'd, He'd had a rough postseason. Uh, after a postseason last year where he really shined. So we go into the bottom of the second tied at one. Max Freed's struggles unfortunately continue because after striking out Carlos Correa, the lead off the inning, he allows a single to Kyle Tucker and a single to Yuli, 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 Yuli Guriel. Good goodness, struggling. It's been a long week, guys. Siri then reaches on an infield sec- single to second, scoring Guriel and Kyle Tucker. Or so- <laughs> scoring Kyle Tucker. It's a 2-1 game. Martin Mal- Maldonado comes in after that, singles to shallow left, scoring Guriel and Siri, making it a 4-1 a game on a throwing error by Rosario. Now, this... This is probably the moment 
I I felt most unsure about how the World Series was going to go because this that particular play was comically bad. Yes, that was that was one of those plays that you kind of said, "Uh oh, we've seen this movie before." Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, basically, what happened was uh, Rosario got to the ball in in the outfield and was trying to throw the runner out at third. Now, unfortunately, uh, nobody was covering third, so he threw the ball to to nothing. Yeah, and and there was no one there to get it, and an extra run scored because of it. Uh, that was not the end of the thread, unfortunately, as uh, Michael Brantley singled to right later in the inning to score Martin Maldonado. We're through two innings, and the Astros are up five to one, and the Braves have their best healthy pitcher on the mound. Things aren't feeling good at this moment. No, no, because you. You know, Freed is coming off the bad start uh, against the Dodgers, but, you know, you kind of thought, well, bad start. Big, you know, big moment. Maybe he amped himself up a little bit too much. Game two of the World Series, you're working with a one nothing lead. Go out there and do Max Freed things. Yeah, and, and he, I mean, he there was... He kind of just got Babbitt to death. There was some suspicion in the, in the Dodgers series that maybe Max was tipping his pitches a little bit because uh, the Dodgers had been all over him as well. And Lord knows if anybody's going to pick up on you tipping pitches, it is uh, the Houston Astros. Uh, yeah. So things things weren't looking good. Luckily, Freed did settle in a little bit at that point. He gets through the third and the fourth inning clean. And then the Braves finally score. Freddie singles to left in the top of the fifth to score Travis Darno, making it a five to two game. Maybe the Braves have a chance to get back in this one. Freed comes out for the fifth, throws another good inning. Unfortunately, the Braves can't score. Freed comes back out for the sixth. And this was kind of when the wheels fall off. He gave up a leadoff walk to Jordan Alvarez, followed by a single by Carlos Correa. Two runners on, nobody out. And that's the moment when Snicker decides it's it, it's time to get Max out of there. Dylan Lee comes in in relief. Kyle Tucker grounds out to second. Uh, but then Yuli Uriel again uh, grounds to shortstop. But Jordan Alvarez scores. Uh, another ugly defensive error by the Braves allows Kyle Tucker to get to second safe. Uh, this play, another another horribly frustrating defensive play, uh, should have been a double play to end the inning. Instead, we got nobody out. Because Ozzy somehow lost the ball when he was transitioning it from his glove to his hand to throw over to first. It rolled into shallow center field, and nobody was out. Luckily, that was the end of the scoring. We go into the top of the seventh with the score Houston six, Braves two. Unfortunately, the Braves couldn't do anything in the seventh. And then Houston comes back in the second, in the seventh, sorry. And now Drew Smiley is on for the Braves. And now Jose Altuve 
bombs off of Drew Smiley to lead off the seventh. It's seven to two Astros, and there is nothing good to talk about from there because that's how it ended. Astros take game two. The series is tied one to one as they travel to Atlanta for the first World Series games in the city of Atlanta since 1999. Well, we, uh, we, we get back home where the Braves have not lost a single game all postseason. Ian Anderson takes the hill, and all this man does is throw five innings of no-hit ball in the World Series. I know his stat line doesn't look terribly impressive because he only went five innings before he was pulled, but goodness gracious, what a five innings it was. It's a five innings that w- that we should remember forever. Um, on an absolute miserable night it was mind okay you. okay so let me let me let me digress a bit into into my story of this evening okay i i i managed to land a couple of tickets for this game yes and you know after i I've, i was fortunate enough to be at truest park for for a lot of really really cool moments this year um, but, but this one absolutely took the cake. Uh, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a close second to, to being in Atlanta for that first world series game in 22 years. And then getting to see Ian Anderson come in and do what he did was just absolutely incredible. So Ian throws those five innings again, no hit ball. In the third inning, though, Austin Riley manages to double to left, scoring Eddie Rosario, making it a one nothing game. So Ian had a lead for a couple of those innings. It stayed a one nothing game for a frighteningly long time. Yeah. In fact, it was one to nothing going into the bottom of the eighth inning, and no one really felt good about uh, about the lead that we had because one run against the Houston Astros might as well not be a lead at all. But then Travis Darno, after homering in Houston comes back and hits a blast 437 feet to dead center field to make it a two nothing game. Truest park came unglued. Braves make a couple defensive switches going into the top of the ninth before Will Smith comes in, lets the lead runner get on, which he has a tendency to do, but then does the other thing he has a tendency to do in the postseason, which is to absolutely shut down the competition. Jordan Alvarez fouled out to third. Carlos Correa lined out to right. Kyle Tucker flied out to center to end the game. Two to nothing. Braves win. They are up two to one in the World Series, still undefeated at home throughout the postseason. So can I give my perspective on this game where I was? Please. You you already know this, but 
let me let me inform the listeners what your your friendly podcaster Cam Matthews did on this evening. Um, I was calling a football game. I was calling the last football game of the season for myself, and so during the game, I had the uh, the gameplay up on my phone in the MLB app. Right, so. Um, I got to see what was in the third or fourth when we scratched the first run across the plate, the whole uh, in-play runs. And I thought, oh, great. You know, we had the bases loaded, or at least two on. And, hey, here comes some runs. And, oh, it's only one run. Okay, well. And I got home, I believe, in the seventh inning. You know, got home, fixed myself a sandwich, sat down, and it's still one nothing. And I'm like, uh... I'm not usually a superstitious kind of guy. So instead of turning the game on, I just, I left my phone on gameplay and literally watched the last two and a half innings on gameplay. And then once we got the final out, promptly turned my TV on and started the game over and kind of skimmed through the actual game uh, because totally not superstitious or anything. You're welcome. (laughs) It's only crazy if it doesn't work, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we come back to Truist Park on Saturday night for game four with the Braves leading the series two games to one. We have a bullpen game for the Atlanta Braves. And the Astros kind of have a bullpen game as well, but Zach Grinke was their, their starter and ended up performing like a starter. Uh, the yeah. game did not start well for the Braves. Dylan Lee got the ball first and put a bunch of runners on, gave up a, a grounder to to Carlos Correa uh, that scored Jose Altuve. It was one to nothing Braves at that point in time. But after that first out, Snicker pulled him very, very quickly. Yeah, he did. Um, and and I got to take my hat off to Brian Snitker here. Um, as he should have, he had a very quick hook for Dylan Lee. Uh, I think we all know how ugly that could have gotten uh, had Lee tried to stay in there and eat up a few more outs. But who yeah, we, does... we've seen how bad first innings can look. We have. But who does Brian Snitker call out of the bullpen? But Kyle Wright, the yo-yo man himself, is back in a Braves uniform. And all this man does is come in in game four of the World Series in relief and throw four and two-thirds innings, allowing only five hits, one earned run, striking out three. This game should forever be known as the Kyle Wright game. What boy, this kid, oh boy. what this kid was able to do in relief was was absolutely phenomenal, and I, I don't know if we are as happy today as we are without Kyle Wright. Uh, no, we're not. Uh, honestly, we're not. Um, you know, I think there in the first inning, the Astros smelled blood in the water um and Kyle Wright was able to get out of it you know with minimal damage and then you know held the Astros to only one more run throughout the rest of the game 
And, you know, Kyle Wright was able to come in and just, they, he gave the Braves a chance, you know? And he did. The, the, had, had he not performed that way, I, yeah, yeah, you're right. We might not be recording right now. We might be watching Game 7, unfortunately. So the bit of damage that Kyle Wright did allow was a Jose Altuve home run to center, 434 feet, just a, a monster in the top of the fourth inning to put yeah. the Astros up two to nothing. And you're not feeling good at this point, guys. I guarantee it. If you're, if you're no, telling me. No, because we, we couldn't hit the ball to this point. I no. mean, we, our offense looked flat, son. It, it 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 looked flat and it was flat yeah. and it stayed flat until the bottom of the sixth inning. The, the inning starts with Arcia pinch hitting and lining out to right before Rosario doubled to right. Then Freeman walked to put runners on first and second. Ozzy comes in and strikes out. But the man who has been the solid rock of the Braves franchise this season, Austin Riley, comes in, singles to left field, scoring Eddie Rosario, ch chipping into that lead a little bit, making it a 2-1 game going into the seventh inning. Tyler Matzik comes in and does exactly what Tyler Matzik does and gets out of the seventh inning with zero damage before the Braves come back for the bottom of the seventh and what a bottom of the seventh it was, guys. Started with Adam Duvall striking out swinging, which was a bad sign because we'd been flat for the entire game coming up to that point. But then Dansby Swanson steps to the plate. And Dansby works a very long at bat against Javier for the Astros. Fouls off a bunch of pitches, sees a lot of off-speed stuff. I want to say that Javier tripled or maybe even quadrupled up on the changeup. And that was a mistake because that gave Dansby Swanson an opportunity to time up that off-speed pitch. And he managed to homer to right field opposite of where he's supposed to go to tie the game at two. The biggest moment of Dansby Swanson's life to this point that man was, I, I, I can't even describe the, the look on his face and the energy coming from Dansby Swanson when he tied that game up on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no, no lie, at this point, I had gotten comfortable in my bed and was watching the game from that viewpoint because I was you know, had a long day, was winding down, let's see what we do in this game, and I nearly jumped out of my bed when Dansby put it out toward the chop house. Pretty great stuff, not gonna lie. It was incredible. So, so, so we tied it up on Dansby Swanson's biggest moment ever as an Atlanta Brave, and then Tyler Matzik gets pulled so Jorge Soler can come in and pinch hit. Okay, I, I I need you to reiterate that. Uh, who who were we pulling off the bench to to pinch hit in this game? We pulled Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler. We <laughs> off the bench. Off the, off. Okay. Again, this goes back to how 
big the trade deadline was for us that our first go-to guy off the bench is Jorge freaking Soler. And anyway, what does Jorge Soler do? Jorge Soler puts one up close and personal to the to the Astros bullpen and lets them watch him homer to left field to give the Braves a 3 to 2 lead in the bottom of the 7th of a game it looked like the Braves were going to lose for 6 innings. Yeah. Also, a cool stat that came from this. Dansby Swanson and Jorge Soler became the first pair of number 8 and number 9 hitters to go back to back in World Series history. So, if you're if you're keeping score at home, that is two all-time World Series home run records that Jorge Soler has. Yeah. Goodness gracious. And, and it, it, it'll it'll get better by Game Six. Houston brings in their closer at that point, Presley, who strikes out Rosario and Freeman to end the inning. But the damage is done. The Braves lead three to two going into the eighth. Luke Jackson comes in in the eighth inning and does elite things, getting them out one, two, three to get us to the bottom of the eight. Ryan Presley, the closer for the Astros, is still in. He walks uh, Albies to start the inning. Riley then strikes out. But then he hits Jock Peterson, putting runners on first and second. Guillermo Heredia comes in to run for Peterson. But then Travis Darno strikes out and Adam Duvall fouls out to third. Threat is over. But then we go to the top of the ninth. Will Smith comes in. Will Smith. No matter how much we talk about Will Smith, we will not talk about Will Smith enough in this episode. Will Smith strikes out Michael Brantley, pops up Alex Bregman, and gets Jordan Alvarez, the hottest hitter of the entire postseason to this point, to ground out to first. Game over. Braves win 3-2, to two, take a commanding 3-1 to one series lead over the Houston Astros with Game 5 on Sunday night at home, where they still have not lost a game the entire postseason. So, uh, how are how are you feeling at this point? At this point, I did not think there was a chance in hell that this series was going back to Houston. After Game Four was the the single most confident I have ever been as an Atlanta Braves fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like I, I really, I really felt as though we had crushed the Astros with the Saturday night game. Like I, I really thought that we had put them down in the hole three to one, and the way that we beat them, the way that we came back in a game that they really had a great handle on. I, I thought that was it. Uh, I, honestly, I, I hundred percent believed it was it. And as if that didn't get me excited enough about game five, we find out about midday on Sunday that the Atlanta Braves have named a starting pitcher for game five. 
So those of you who have listened to us from the very beginning may remember our fourth episode ever. I think we're on like 72, 71, something like that right now. Our fourth episode ever. When we had barely dozens of people listening to this episode, there was this kind of young, scrawny, double-A pitcher that had some good potential named Tucker Davidson, who decided that he would take the time to come on our show and talk to us. And when someone goes out of their way like that, let's make no mistake, he did not do this for publicity because that's not something we were capable of providing to anybody at that time. He did this just because he's a cool guy and had some free time. Yeah. Fast forward uh, about a year and a half later, And friend of the show, Tucker Davidson, is starting game five of the world freaking series for the Atlanta Braves. The the emotions I felt when when I saw that announcement, um, I, I can't even really put into words. Like... When someone, anyone, not not even a ball player, when someone goes out of their way to do something like that for you, um, they now occupy a special place in your heart. And and to yeah. be able to watch this guy, um, fight through what looked like it was going to be a pretty major injury this year, to come back and be able to start in the World Series, was was something really special. I, I I want to have more words to describe it, but I, I, I don't. So let's get into the game. We get to the first inning. Tucker Davidson gets out there. He's pitching. Gets Jose Altuve to pop up to short. Walks Michael Brantley but then gets Correa to ground into a double play to end the inning. Tucker Davidson gets through the first inning like it's nothing. Looked phenomenal, yeah. was attacking hitters, was was living in the strike zone. It was, it was great to see. And this was probably uh, close to the most hyped I've ever been as an Atlanta Braves fan. So so we go to the bottom of the first, no score. Jorge Soler leads off the game with a single before Freddie Freeman flies out to center. Ozzie Albies grounds into a fielder's choice. Soler's out at second. So now we have two outs and a runner on first. Riley then singles to shallow left. Albies gets to third, but while Albies is running to third and they're trying to throw him out, Austin scoots over to second, which gets Framber Valdez to walk Eddie Rosario to load the bases with two outs. Adam Duvall is at the plate. Adam Duvall launches a no-doubter into the chop house, 376 feet, hits a first 
inning grand slam in a potential clincher at home for the Atlanta Braves. Now, now I I know where my my emotions were at this point in time, Cam. Um, and I was at the battery, so I had no cell signal, no Wi-Fi, nothing. There were just too many people there. Uh, so I wasn't able to, to, to talk to a lot of you guys uh, while I was there. So, so Cam, talk to me about where, what, what kind of headspace were you occupying at this point in time? Um, I was freaking out in my living room. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I was full on freaking out over what had happened. It was just incredible to me that all of a sudden, oh my God, we're out to a four-run lead. Like, we, the crowd is into it. The Astros are looking deflated after last night, and boy, they just gave up four runs. Hot dog. We, we're going to do this on our home turf. So now our boy Tucker Davidson has a four-to-nothing lead coming back out for the second inning of Game 5 of the World Series. Unfortunately, this is where things started to come a bit unraveled. He did get Jordan Alvarez to fly out to left to lead off the inning, but then Yuli Gurriel sing singled to center. Kyle Tucker walked. Alex Bregman doubles to deep center to score Gurriel and move Tucker to third, and then Maldonado hits a sack fly to center, scoring Tucker. Framber Valdez then struck out looking, but now we've got a 4-2 ball game. And in the, over the course of Good one half, gone. yeah, uh, uh, over the course of one half inning, went from we are definitely winning the World Series to oh god, we're going to go back to Houston, aren't we? <laughs> Crap! Unfortunately, this is about the time the Braves' offense goes cold. We go down one, two, three in the second inning. Davidson comes back out for the third which is a question a lot of people, uh, which is a move a lot of people questioned. Um, Altuve grounds to Swanson. Swanson boots it, and Altuve winds up safe at first. Then Tucker Davidson walks Michael Brantley. Altuve moves to second. They've got runners on first and second with nobody out. Brian Snaker comes out, pulls Tucker Davidson, and goes to the bullpen. Who's the first one he pulls out of the bullpen? Jesse Chavez. Jesse Chavez comes in and promptly, promptly allows a double to Carlos Correa, scoring Jose Altuve, moving Brantley to third, making it a 4-3 to three ball game in favor of the Braves. Jordan Alvarez then flies out to left before Uriel, a name we've been saying a lot, grounded out to shortstop, scoring Michael Brantley, tying the game before we're even out of the third inning. So, I would say that for 99% of the postseason, Snicker called all of the right moves. Yes. I think the biggest questionable move that Snicker gave all postseason was allowing Tucker to go back out for the third inning. Honestly, I, yes. I, I think that is a questionable move. I was not a fan of it. But I think even more questionable than that was his choice to go with Jesse Chavez in the second inning. 
yeah as as tucker's relief uh you he had gotten i i remember distinctly standing there in the battery and them showing a shot of aj minter warming up in the second inning to to come in and uh hopefully extinguish the threat but then when the call to the bullpen came it was jesse chavez who came out not aj minter right so we'll we'll get back to this in a couple of innings um, as to why I think that was a bad move, but I digress. So we are in the bottom of the third. The score has gone from four nothing Braves to now it is tied four to four. But then our Lord and Savior Frederick Charles Freeman comes in oh. and hits. Oh boy, did this guy hit a blast! Homers to right center, 460 feet. Just a monster, an absolute statement bomb from Freddie. To make it a 5-0 game, the Braves have the lead back on Framber Valdez. His longest homer of the season. Unbelievable. Just mashed it. So uh, we end up chasing Framber Valdez out of the game. Uh, but Yimmy Garcia comes in and shuts it down after that. Braves lead 5-4 to four going into the fourth inning. Jesse Chavez has a little bit better inning, but A.J. Minter does have to come in and get that last out on Michael Brantley. Um, come back in the bottom of the fourth, uh, and Braves go down pretty easily, get to the top of the fifth, and this is where things go wrong for A.J. Minter. Carlos Correa leads off the inning, singling to center. Jordan Alvarez then strikes out looking. Yuli Uriel comes in and singles to center, moving Correa to second. Kyle Tucker grounds out to first, moving Uriel to second and third with two outs. Alex Bregman is then intentionally walked. And then Minter walks Martin Maldonado. Scoring Carlos Correa, tying the game up at 5-5. And then they pinch hit for their starting pitcher. Marwin Gonzalez comes in for the Astros and singles to left center, scoring Bregman and Yuli Guriel. Suddenly, a game that started out 4 nothing in favor of the Braves is now 7-5 to five in favor of the Houston Astros. And Minter gets pulled for Chris Martin. Now, to, to get back to what I was talking about it, uh, about AJ Minter. I do not like the idea of getting someone up in the second inning, getting them ready to roll, and then sitting them back down for two and a half more innings and getting them back up to bring them in. And this is evidence of that. Because Minter had been just tough as nails the entire postseason. But he'd been pitching a lot. Yeah. And I honestly believe that the biggest mistake Snicker made was not using Minter after he warmed him up the first time in the second inning. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see that. Again, there were just, you know, a couple of just questionable decisions here. Yeah. So we've got Chris Martin in. He does strike out Jose Altuve to end that inning. It is still seven to five Astros. 
<sighs> Riley does get a double in the bottom of the fifth, but that was the only noise the Braves made. We go to the bottom of the sixth. Chris Martin gets the Astros to go down one, two, three, probably his most Im his his most important inning of the year and the best he had looked all season. Get to the bottom of the sixth. We get a single from Travis Darno, and that's it. Can't make any more noise. It's still seven to five going into the top of the seventh. Drew Smiley then comes in in the top of the seventh, which facing only a two-run deficit is also not a move I was a huge fan of. Yeah, this this felt like a weird choice. And that that fear uh, was founded in reality as Drew Smiley allows a double to Kyle Tucker and a single to Martin Maldonado. By the time we get out of the top of the seventh, what started as a 4-0 game is now an 8-5 game in favor of the Astros. Braves do nothing in the seventh. Get to the eighth, and the Astros just keep laying it on. Drew Smiley's still out there. Carlos Correa singles to score Jose Altuve. Makes it a 9-5 ball game, which is how that game would end. Yeah. Once, you know, once Smiley went back out for the second time, he kind of thought, all right, there's there's the white flag. We are we are punting on this game. Um we're just it it is what it is. Snickers not going to use any of the high leverage arms in the bullpen to finish this one out. But yeah, it was it was certainly a hard loss to to swallow being up 3 to 1. You really didn't want to go back to Houston. Nope. Did not want to go back to Houston. Wanted to win it in front of your fans. Um, and and this is a Houston Astros team that we have seen come back from 3-1 deficits in the postseason before. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know about you. I was I was not feeling great on Sunday night. I went in 24 hours, I went from as confident as I have ever been as a Braves fan to now wondering, is, is this just going to be an even worse version of what happened to the Dodgers last season? Yeah. Because full, full disclosure here, and, and Cam has the text messages to, to, to back this up. I went into game five feeling like it was game seven. I absolutely did not want to go back to Houston because I was terrified of what this Houston Astros lineup can do at home. Right. I, you know, it certainly was a bad kind of, you know, it was certainly a bad feeling not being able to close it out up three to one, but, you know, as I mentioned to you, it was, it was important to note that a other than mentor, we really didn't use any of our high leverage bullpen arms. You know, we didn't use Smith. We didn't use Matzik. We didn't use Jackson in the Sunday night game. Plus we were getting a day off on Monday. 
we knew that the Astros were going to be rolling with a bullpen game, whereas we were going to have Max Freed on the mound, which, you know, despite his troubles in the previous two games, he had to, A, think that Max Freed was due, but also, B, it's Max Freed. So, yes, I think there was valid concern, like I've said before, uh, of not closing it down up three to one, but I think, you know, when you break down the the, the the dichotomy of the potential game six, you know, I think you had to kind of look at it as well, despite being in Houston lineup to lineup, the Braves match up better for this game. Yes. Now, now by the time the game rolled around, I was feeling a lot better about things. Obviously, you know, when you're watching these kinds of games, you're going to be a prisoner of the moment to an extent, but to expand on why I, I felt a little rough, uh, after that Sunday night game, you know, we had seen what three or four consecutive postseason starts from Max Freed where he did not look like Max Freed. Right. He was giving up a lot of runs. And, you know, as a as a guy who's normally very reliable, um, that was concerning. And then if the Freed game didn't go well. We were going to have Ian Anderson, who granted threw five no-hit innings against the Astros in game three in Atlanta. But it's well known that Ian Anderson is typically a much better pitcher at home than he is on the road. So despite the fact that we had our only two true starters going for us in games six and seven, it still didn't give me a warm and fuzzy feeling. Uh, the circumstances that we were going into that game with. So, here we have it. We have taken our travel day. We are in Houston for game six of the World Series with the Braves leading three games to two and their ace, Max Freed, on the hill. And, and Cam, what can we possibly say about the performance we got from Max Freed to, to, to do that justice? Um, Please have an answer, because I don't have one. First off, he, he pitched pissed off. Well, which... let, let's talk about the first inning first. Okay, okay. Sorry, but before we get into that, let's talk about the first inning. So, <sighs> Garcia's pitching for Houston. Rosario lines out to right on an incredible diving catch. Absolutely should have been a double for Rosario. Let the Astros escape on the diving catch. Then Soler and Freeman strike out. Braves go down one, two, three to start the first. Then Max Freed takes the hill for the bottom of the first. Things get weird very quickly. Jose Altuve reaches on an infield single, despite one of the greatest efforts from a shortstop I've seen on a single play. Dansby Swanson making that sliding grab into shallow center field. Yeah. And on his knees, flipping his body around and... It was scary when it happened because it looked like he was just flailing, but 
absolutely firing a bullet to first base. Uh, Jose Altuve is just too fast, beat it out, but an incredible effort from Dansby on that play. I did not want to get past that without mentioning it. So then we have Michael Brantley up next. Uh, Michael Brantley hits a grounder in between first and second base that's fielded by Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman then flips the ball to Max Freed, who is going to be covering first base. Max Freed has trouble finding the bag, so kind of leans down so, you know, either his foot or his ankle could potentially touch the bag. But in doing so, basically puts the entire bottom of his leg on the base path that Michael Brantley's running. Michael Brantley never touches first base. What he does is plant his foot and his spikes directly into the foot and ankle of Max Freed. Michael Brantley is ruled safe at first base. Max Freed is favoring his ankle a little bit. We're all having flashbacks to game one when Charlie Morton went down. But then something happened. Max Freed got a little bit different look in his eye. Max Freed looked pissed off. He was yeah. still walking, so he was still pitching, damn it. He comes right back and he strikes out Carlos Correa. He gets Alvarez to ground out to second. And he strikes out Yuli Guriel and shows the most emotion I think I've ever seen Max Freed show leaving a mound. And it was that exact moment when Max Freed was walking off the hill after striking out the last batter of the first inning that, that things started to feel different. It was still a scoreless game. But we kind of felt like we saw old Max Freed. We kind of yeah. felt like we saw the pitcher that carried this team through August and September. Telling you, so, he, he he began pitching pissed off. Uh, he, he did. He had a fire that that we hadn't seen in a few games, and you know, I I don't think that this. This game was lost on him. He already had one chance this postseason to seal up a series, and he, he missed his opportunity. But damn it, here in game six, I think he knew that not even getting stepped on was going to prevent him from doing what he needed to. Well, and we needed it bad because the Braves' offense started slow. <laughs> Luis Garcia gets the Braves to go down one, two, three in the second inning before Max Freed comes back out and does the same damn thing for the Braves in the bottom of the second. And then the top of the third came around. Starts with an Ozzie Albies single to right center. Travis Darno follows that up with, with a fly out to center. Dansby lines out to left. Two outs, runner on first. Eddie Rosario walks. Ozzie Albies takes second. We got runners on first and second with two outs and Jorge Soler. At the plate. Cam? Yes. What happened next? Um, Jorge Soler did unspeakable things to a baseball. Um, so StackCast has 
the ball pitched to Jorge Soler as having traveled 446 feet. No. 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 I I watched it. That ball, that ball ain't traveled no 446. It went a lot further than that because Jorge Soler mashes a bomb that leaves Minute Maid Park, exits the stadium. And and this is not Fenway Park, where, you know, a 350-foot home run with the right launch angle can get out of the stadium over the Green Monster. No, no, no. This is a big league ballpark. It was yeah. picked up. It was picked up and taken to an apartment party across the street. <laughs> That's oh, what happened to this baseball. Jorge Soler gives the Braves a three to nothing lead on an absolutely epic home run. And Jorge Soler, who is notorious for being, you know, the low energy guy. He's not a rah-rah guy. He's he's a lunch pail guy that's just going to go out there, conduct his business, and go back home. That's Jorge Soler. But Jorge Soler hits this ball, drops his bat, pounds his chest, and points at the Braves' dugout and says, this, this is our time. And the Braves' dugout responds. That place was... Except for the Braves fans that were there, that place went dead silent. The the orange rally towels that they had handed out before the game were no longer in the air. He sucked every bit of air out of that stadium with one swing of the bat. And that was all that Max Fried needed. Max Fried goes out and gets them one, two, three in the third to follow that up. Gets them yeah. one, two, three in the fourth to follow that up. And then the Braves got to business again in the fifth. Ozzy Albies walks to lead off the inning, doing really well in his newly found seventh place in the batting order before the number nine, or sorry, uh, was he sixth or seventh? I think he was seventh. Um, Travis Darnot then strikes out swinging, but Dansby Swanson comes in and hits a no-doubter to left field, 411 feet. The Braves are up five to nothing. And all of a sudden, this game doesn't feel like game five did anymore. It feels like the Braves are going for the throat here. So that home run by Dansby forces Dusty Baker into a pitching change that he pretty clearly didn't want to have to make. Taylor comes in to pitch for the Astros, immediately gets Rosario to ground out to the pitcher, walks Jorge Soler, and then Freddie Freeman comes in and doubles to deep left center, scoring Jorge Soler. Suddenly, we've got a 6 to nothing Atlanta Braves ball game going into the bottom of the seventh. Max Fried comes in, strikes out Kyle Tucker, strikes out Alex Bregman, Siri flies out to right, no trouble from the Astros at this point. It, I, I think now's a good time to go ahead and go ahead and kind of talk about it. It cannot, it cannot be understated. The fact that with one swing, Jorge Soler took the Astros and their fans out of this game. Period. End of sentence. 
done. I think Max Freed had a bit to do with that as well. Well, yeah, he 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 did. He did, absolutely. But, you know, you're also talking about a situation where, you know, the Astros had threatened and, you know, Max was able to get through it. And then he had a, he had a solid second, you know, second time out to the mound. But again, the Braves hadn't done had hadn't done much up until this situation. And, you know, when you look at the atmosphere of the Houston fans right before Jorge swings the bat, they're just as raucous and rowdy as they were at first pitch. But it never returns to that level. The moment that the Braves go up three to nothing, it the the balloon has been popped in Minute Maid Park. It has to the point where once we get to the top of the seventh with the Braves having a six to nothing lead, Ryan Stanek's pitching for Houston, and the Houston crowd has gone so silent that you can hear Eddie. Eddie, Eddie, from the Braves fans in Minute Maid Park. Now, Eddie did end up striking out swinging. Solaire followed that up by grounding out to third. But then Freddie Freeman comes in just to put a bow on this game. Freddie homers to center field, 416 feet. It is now seven to nothing Braves over the Astros in the seventh inning. Tyler Matzik comes in, only allows a single to, to Jordan Alvarez, and then gets Guriel to fly out to right, Kyle Tucker to line out to right, and Alex Bregman to strike out swinging. We go into the eighth inning with a seven to nothing lead. Now the Astros bring in their closer, Presley. He does get do a good job of getting out of the inning, takes out the Braves one, two, three, we're in the bottom of the eighth. Tyler Matzik comes back out for a second inning of work and strikes out the side. I repeat that again. Tyler Matzik comes out for his second inning of work and strikes out the side in the eighth inning of game six of the World Series with the Braves leading seven to nothing. And he made Altuve look silly on the strike three call. Altuve, who's been playing out of his mind, makes him look stupid. So here, here, here's a, speaking of Altuve, here's a fun fact for you. In this World Series, Jorge Soler had three home runs. The Astros, as a team, had two. And both of them came from Jose Altuve. Yes. I repeat, Jorge Soler had more home runs than the entire Astros team in the entire six-game series. <laughs> so the Braves don't make any noise in the ninth inning. But we fine. get to the bottom. It was, it, which was fine. Because it was fine. At this, at this I, point. I, I, don't, I don't know about you. At this point, I, I want three outs. I want this get, game to be over. Get me to the end of the game as quickly as you possibly can. So we get to the bottom of the ninth, and Will Smith comes in. And I believe I said this earlier in the series, does what Will Smith does a lot and allows a leadoff single. And yeah. I would be lying to each and every one of you if I said, even up seven to nothing in the bottom of the ninth, that that single didn't make me a little bit nervous. I, 
I, I, I really wasn't. I, 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 I truly, honest to God, was not. Because as the camera panned up and down the Astros' dugout, knowing that they were facing their final three outs down seven runs, in no way did they look like a team that had, the, had any sort of gumption to try to mount a comeback here. Because even the leadoff single was met with a very lackluster response. It was. By, by this time, there were you had Astros fans leaving the stadium. And after the single, Carlos Correa lined out to right. Jordan Alvarez flied out to left. There are two outs in the bottom of the ninth, game six of the World Series. Yuli Gurriel, a guy who has hit us really hard this series, hits a high grounder to Dansby Swanson, who flips it over to Freddie Freeman at first base, and the Atlanta Braves have become world champions, defeating the Houston Astros four games to two in the 2021 World Series. God damn it, that feels good to say. So, just as just as I did with the National League Championship, got the radio feed turned on for for the ninth. Just because friend of the show Ben Ingram I knew was going to perfectly paint the picture of of this scenario. So I, I'm I'm sure a lot of you know know this. But just in case you don't, I, I want to put yourself in my shoes just just for just for a moment. I'm, I'm going to get personal just, just just for a moment. OK. In 1995, I was not even two years old yet. So obviously I do not remember that World Series in 1999. I was five years old. I knew who the Braves were. I knew how great baseball was. But the weight of a World Series did not mean a thing to me at the time. So, as I mentioned in our last episode, this was my first real experience getting to watch my team in the World Series. Throughout, throughout my life as a, as a baseball fan, and I really, I really do not want this to come across as, as sour grapes or, or jealousy, even though... It probably is a, has a little hint of jealousy to it. But in my life as a baseball fan, and every other baseball fan that I know in my life, I have gotten, I, I've had the opportunity to see them celebrate their respective teams win a World Series, whether it's them being a Red Sox fan or a Cardinals fan or a Yankees fan, a Phillies fan, a Cubs fan, a Giants fan, a Dodgers fan, you name it, I have known somebody at some point that got to see whatever team you want to throw out win a World Series over the past 20-odd years, okay? I like to consider myself the biggest baseball fan I know. And so, in a way, I always felt like, personally, I, I was I was due to be able to experience that joy. Like I was always happy for my friends and my family members who got to celebrate their team winning the ultimate prize in all of sports. Right. But in a way, I always felt like 
I'm I'm due to be able to enjoy that. Yesterday was my birthday. And I knew coming into the series that game six lined up with my birthday. And quite frankly, part of the reason I wanted this team to finish things up on Sunday on Halloween so bad is because I wanted to be able to enjoy my birthday. I didn't want the stress of going through a, a game six and I God forbid we drop game six on, on, on my birthday, which would make it a very sad birthday. Um, I didn't want that. But it, and I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm trying not to get choked up about this. Daggummit, of all, of all days, I got to experience my favorite team in this entire world win a championship for the first time in my life on my birthday. And... I don't care if I sound corny or cheesy saying that, but man, damn it, that is just the coolest thing in the world to me, and I am never going to forget that or get over that. None of us, not you, not me, not not anyone that's listening to this podcast will will ever forget what we saw on the night of November 2nd, 2021. Nobody. Let, let, let alone the fact that it occurred on your birthday, dude. Like, <laughs> come on. You know, and it's, and it's one of those things where, like, all day long, it was kind of this weird sense of pressure, whereas, you know, I'm getting texts and phone calls from, you know, family members and loved ones, you know, wishing me a happy birthday like you do. You know, the amount of them that would throw in there, hey, I hope you get the best birthday present ever tonight, or, Hey, I hope they pull this out for you tonight. You know, the amount of people that said that to me, I, it was the vast majority of people that wished me a happy birthday, including people on Twitter too, people that don't even know me, you know, once they caught when there was my birthday, like that's how everybody wished me, you know, a happy day. And, you know, for that to have worked out, man, it's, it, it's just, it's so darn cool. And, and again, I, I, I don't want to make, I, I'm, I, I don't want to make this all about me because this is, this is something that we're all here to celebrate, but I just, I, I felt like I wanted to share my perspective on it because, you know, for me, I just, I, I, I don't know how, how I could have made that win that much better than the fact that it occurred on the day that it did. And I, I, I mean, to an extent, Cam, it it is about you it's about me it's about every single one of you people out there listening to this episode um after that after the cubs won their world series uh and the, also uh, on my birthday <laughs> after that the occurred cubs on november 2nd series after <laughs> the cleveland cavaliers won their nba championship the most maligned sports town in in the country was Atlanta. And and we got close. Those the the Falcons gave us that Super Bowl. But you know, and I know we had the Atlanta United win win an MLS title and, and some people call that the breaking of the Atlanta curse. Look, I I I I love Atlanta United. Been to a bunch of games, loved watching him win the title. It's not the same. There are levels to this, and 
there is there is nothing. I I can't think of anything that would top what we saw on 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 Tuesday night for 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 any of us. Um Atlanta has deserved a champion for a very long time. And we finally have one in in our Atlanta Braves. That we do. That we do. Well, Alex, as, as you mentioned, you know, this is this is for everybody. This is for all of us to celebrate. And boy, did you, the listeners, show up for this episode to celebrate with us. But before we get into voicemails and texts, we just want to remind you one more time uh, as we as we go to our final segment of this show, that Chatting Average is brought to you by our good friends at Symbol. Symbol is a sports stock market that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Again, like we said, boy, if you had bought in on the Braves in August, it certainly paid off this week. Use the promo code SD, that's SD for sports drink, to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. That's Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com. Use the promo code SD. And guys, I know you're joining us on the show this week via voicemail and text, which we're about to get to. But just also a reminder, you can join us on Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom, of course, is the audio-only platform available on iOS and Android devices. It is a free audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Uh, you can join Doc and Dylan from the Platinum Sombrero. Alex and I have done it a few times, and I'm sure before uh, before we wrap up this season of the show, we may hop on and do one more Spotify green room session once more. So be on the lookout for that. So again, Spotify green room available on all mobile devices for free. Check it out. All right. So shortly, shortly after the world series ended last night, we put out uh, a tweet from the show account asking for, for your thoughts, feelings, and emotions on, on on what you had just seen, knowing how how special of of a thing this was. Um, now, if you've listened to this show for a while, uh, we'll we'll do voicemail segments for a while, and and you know if we've gotten, you know, three or four in a week to do, um, that's that's a pretty big week for us uh, in terms of of voicemail response. Um, for this one. Uh, we, we have six voicemails and 10 text messages to go through. (laughs) You guys rock. Seriously. uh, This is fantastic. I'm going to love the hell out of this. And, and before we get into it, uh, thank each and every one of you who, who took the time to, uh, to, to hit us up here and, and let us know your thoughts on the Braves becoming world champions. And if you ever want to hear yourself on Chatting Average, you can always text or voicemail us at 
1-800-242-9408. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Now, for a lot of these text messages, um, we don't have a name or anything, so we're just going to read them because uh, the only thing I have to identify you guys by is your phone number, and I'm not going to dox you on our podcast. Oh, come on. <laughs> so the first voicemail is a, a, a short but sweet one. It says, y'all, I am fighting the urge to ball my eyes out at the fact that Drew Smiley got a ring. <laughs> he did. This is not a, Cam, this is not a joke. He, oh, they okay. Go, they go on to say, He's deserved it after such a long journey, including Tommy John's surgery. And I, I really like this text because, you know, it is important that we remember these guys and the impact that they did have on this team, even though they weren't, you know, they weren't Max Freed or they weren't Freddie Freeman. There were a lot of little players who, who had smaller roles for this team. That, oh, I... that 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 played a huge part in, in this game. Like, look, Drew Smiley ate up a ton of innings for us this year, guys. Oh, I mean, just last week you and I talked about bringing him back next season on a you know on a one year deal, just to serve as a as a long man out in the bullpen. Absolutely. And I'm I'm still all for that. I know he had a rough go in game five, but hey, I am still all for him coming in and doing that for us. Definitely. Definitely. And and yeah, like was showed up like a stud for that Dodgers series, didn't have that great of a performance, but like you mentioned earlier, was able to eat a couple of innings in game five that kept our bullpen fresh for game six. All right, moving on to our next text message. It says, what's so sick to me is that Anthopolis really made all these trade deadline acquisitions and they actually had amazing chemistry. They played for one another and they never gave up the damn fight. It's like Moneyball, but, but better and with a championship. Yeah, we had a better, we had a better ending, ending than Moneyball ever did. Much better. And, wow. and I mean, a lot will be said for years to come about what Alex Anthopoulos did at this trade deadline. It was uh, it was probably the greatest trade deadline performance by a general manager in the history of baseball. Um, and, and I don't even think that's a hyperbolic thing to say. No, no, it, it, it's not. It, with, without a doubt. If the Braves do not make the moves that they did, they do not win the World Series this season. Cut and dry, plain and simple. It is it is the greatest deadline of any team ever. And, and I truly mean that. I, I, really I, remarkable. Yeah. Uh, it, it, all it, right. It, it, and again, they serving as the example for years to come. Moving on to the next one says, oh, this one's going to be tough. I was 18 years old the last time this happened. I'm 44 now. 95. Whoa, I'm, I'm was, sorry. That's, that's me. I'm sorry. 95 I'm sorry. was great. 96 was hard. And 99 was even harder. Anyone who knows me knows that I live and die with this team. But none of that matters now. 
The Atlanta Braves have won the 2021 World Series. Uh, Hats off to you. That you know. Again, this something for us all to celebrate. Cheers. I'll, uh, I'll I'll hit another quick text message before we go to a couple of voicemails. This one is uh, again short but sweet. Lots to be said. But I'd like to take this moment to reiterate that Luke Jackson is an elite reliever. Damn right. He absolutely is. And God damn it, if I hear any one of you <laughs> ever saying a negative word about Luke Jackson again, we are going to war. War, I say. <laughs> I, I will lead the troops into battle for that man. Still our best-selling T-shirt. Easily. 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 Like above and beyond. All right, so let's let's get into the voicemails. And I haven't proofread these. Uh, if, you're, if you're at work or around the children, maybe put in some headphones. I, I don't Earmuffs. know what this content is going to be like, because obviously this was a very emotional time for a lot of us. So let's get into the first one. This voicemail was left at 12.38 a.m. this morning which I think was no more than 45 minutes after the Braves had won the World Series. So let's let's see what this one's got. Dudes, it's Donna. Donna! Donna! But I'm watching the 2021 World Series champion Atlanta Braves. And it's the most surreal thing. It's like, like, I don't really have another team that I care about quite like I care about the Braves. And so I haven't felt this since I was like 14. And it's crazy. It's just like there's been so much heartbreak over the years. And there's always been like something screwy happened where things just don't go our way and we finally have a postseason where it does it's like finally the leadoff walk doesn't kill us and finally that error doesn't get made in a critical spot and finally there's runners in scoring position and it's not some kind of measly strikeout and it's just so surreal for me to see things come together like this. I I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's awesome. I'm going to enjoy this. And I hope you guys do too. Love y'all. I think Donna, as, as he's prone to do from time to time, I think he hit the nail on the head there when when he described that feeling as surreal. Yeah, because that's that that's what it was like when I woke up this morning. It felt like I was going to need to get ready for game seven tonight. I did not believe it was real. Um, I, I, I And it still hasn't all the way sunk in, but. Uh, re recording the show, I, I can, I, I'm, 
I'm starting to smile uncontrollably um, because <laughs> it's starting to sink in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and and I hope I hope this feeling never goes away. I'm sure it will at some point, but I don't want it to. Um, it's it's crazy, man. I, <laughs> it, I, it, I can't. It, it, it truly is. And, you know, to to Donna's point about, you know, we never really had that moment of, you know, the bad error or, you know, the bad inning. Or, like, again, it just goes back to how how different this team just felt and how different this you know, differently, this team carried itself. Um, you know, this this somehow went from being one of my least favorite seasons from April through you know mid August. This season suddenly... sucked for like yeah, the, four months. I, yeah, it was it truly not did. fun to be a Braves fan for the vast majority of this season. And then somehow they just, you know, they just turned it on at, at the right time. And it just, and it all just worked out serendipitously. And we saw things go our way that normally it didn't. And it just, you know, at, at, I, 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 I saw a lot of people iterating it today. And, and I just want to throw it out there that if you go, if you go back to the seventh inning of game six against the Dodgers, where Tyler Matzik comes in and gets three strikeouts to get out of this jam. No run score. That's, I think that's for a lot. The, that's I, the that, moment of when, when Tyler Matzik struck out Mookie Betts. That was the moment. That was, that was the moment of the whole postseason for me. Yeah. I, th- I think that, that was the moment for a lot of people where all of a sudden, you know, everybody's eyes and ears kind of perked up and you thought, Wait a wait a damn minute here. And the 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 thing about that particular moment, um, as we talked about last week, I I was lucky enough to be at Truist Park for that game, and Doc Herbert described it the best. Um, and I think this speaks to the dedication of Braves fans, uh, the understanding of the team's history that Braves fans have and understanding how big this moment was uh, before we knew the result of it. But, but Doc said that when, when Mookie swung at that last pitch from Tyler Matzik, Truist Park sounded like there was a rocket ship taking off from center field. It was, it, it'll probably for the rest of my life be the loudest noise I've ever heard. Um, and we all knew, we all knew in that moment that this was something different, that this, this wasn't the normal Braves flame out in the postseason, that this team's going places. Yeah. Um, and I'll be damned if they didn't do just that. All right. Love Love you, Donna. Moving on to the next voicemail. This one came in shortly thereafter. This was at 1.10 a.m. this morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Hey, guys. This is Larry calling in from central Pennsylvania. I just wanted to call in and say that this series has been one of, if not the craziest I've ever seen. 
honestly, the whole season has been insane. From missing such huge pieces like Acuna and Soroka and Ozuna going out, <laughs> it's crazy. Oh man, I can't. I can't. I don't even know. <laughs> Words are failing me. All the trades that we made. Shout out Pirates legend Rich Rod. <laughs> Oh, man. That's right. I watched Braves games from up in the, the den of the enemy in Pennsylvania. And I just got to say, I'm so proud to be a Braves fan. This was earned through some crazy hard work, man. I can't wait to uh, just, you know, remember this day for the rest of my life. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Can't wait to listen to the show. That's good Thanks, stuff. Larry. Thanks for the very, call, Larry. Very cool. And uh, I, that's Alex, my that's favorite it. line so far. I can't wait to remember this day for the rest of my life. I love it. I so love that, it. Oh, man, that line does things to me. Uh, uh, let, let me let me also take a second to... to uh, Thank you, Larry, for calling in. Larry, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first time that we have we have heard from you here on the show. But I want to say, this season, Alex, you and I have noticed a lot more new names and faces interacting with us and the show. Yes. And, and thank you to each and every one of you who has given us even a shred of your thought and time. It, it, it's so it, cool to me. It, you it know, managed... It, it managed to make this postseason e- even more special than it would have been otherwise. The the fact that we can sometimes coherently cover some of what this team has been able to do um, has has been a lot of fun. And I, I I'm speaking for myself, but I think I can speak for Cam here. It's 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 made me a bigger fan of the Atlanta Braves than I already was before. And I was already a huge fan of the Braves. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was a big enough fan to want to start a podcast, but um, the the response that we've gotten, especially over the last six to eight weeks uh, ha- has been something truly special. So to you, Larry, and to every one of you that's listening to this, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's very cool. And honestly, you know, we wouldn't be, we we truly wouldn't be doing this without you guys. Thank you. All right, we got another late night call here that came in at one twenty three a.m. Yes. All right. Chatting after the podcast. I don't even know why I'm calling because I don't even have words right now. What what a trip! What a season! Hell of a season! I mean. Through all the adversity, Charlie Moore breaking his leg in game one was so on brand for this season. But the boys just stuck it out. I mean, I don't know what to say. My voice is gone and screaming the entire night. I think I did the chop for about two hours after the game. I mean, thankful for you guys. Keep me entertained on Twitter. When the season was in the dumpster, I was ready to give up. But the boys just kept balling and we got it done. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Man, thanks for the thanks for the call. And and that 
that's oh boy that 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 plays to my emotions very very well because as as we talked about uh earlier in this episode it was it was a chore getting to the mic and recording this a lot of weeks for for yeah. the for the majority of this season every week it seemed either i would text cam or cam would text me and one of us would say do do you do you really want to do the episode this week and and every time the other one would say well we have to and yeah. Yeah, and, and again, it goes back to, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing this w- without you guys. We, we really wouldn't. Like, it's, you know, it, even when things were as bad as they could be this season, you know, just the constant constant feedback and just interaction that we, we would get because of the show, man, you, you guys really kept us going, you know, through. Exactly. Absolutely. So, so don't. Valleys of this year. Please do not waste your time thanking us. Um, because yeah. we need to be thanking you, um, you, whoever is listening to this, you are the reason that we continue to do this. Um, and <sighs> thank you guys. Love all of y'all. All right. Back to some text messages. Oh boy. This is, this is a good one says, my mom watched the Braves win in 1995 and hadn't even met my dad. I wasn't even a thought. But this season, we watched almost every single game from start to finish. For the first time in 26 years, my mom got to watch the Braves win, but with me, her 15-year-old daughter. The love for ATL runs deep, and she couldn't stop crying tears of joy. <laughs> oh man! Um, so I had I had a, I had a couple of thoughts last night. Um, you know, my my first thought was that I I wish. I, I truly wish my, my grandpa was still here for this. Um, he passed away 10 years ago this past summer. So uh, he's been gone for a little while now, but growing up, you know, I, I spent a ton of time at my grandparents' house, especially during the summer. And naturally they had TBS and, you know, as same as the story with so many of you guys, I, I grew up a Braves fan because of TBS, because we had access to Braves baseball. And what, what's really neat was being able to talk to my grandmother this morning uh, about the game. And she stayed up as long as she could last night and watched most of it and got, you know, and, and saw that they won. So she got to talk to me about that, too. And my grandpa wasn't even really a Braves fan. He was a Yankees fan. I think I've said that on the show before, because for him growing up in the rural South in the 30s and 40s, the Yankees were the only team that he could pick up on the radio. So he because of that, he became a Yankees fan. Um, but he. He always he he really respected the Braves and he loved Bobby Cox and he really loved Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones. Um, he loved John Smoltz and, and Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin, you know. So I, a lot of my Braves love comes from sitting on the couch 
with him during the summer, eating bugles, playing cards and, and watching a baseball game in the afternoons. Um, so, you know, that that's that's where a lot of that comes from. So, you know, I, I, I wish that I had could at least have had a conversation with him about that because that was just super cool. Going back to the thing of celebrating with your parent, though, um, to the person that, that texted into us, man, one thing I thought last night is that I really wish uh, my, my daughter just turned three back in August. So, um, you know, she was already in bed well before the game ended last night. But I just I kind of thought, man, I wish she was maybe just a couple of years older that I could have, you know, maybe gone and woken her up and, and gotten her out of bed for that moment just just so maybe she would more so understand because if I woken her up last night she probably wouldn't have been too happy um and I, I don't think she would have understood what was going on but you know that that was another thing I even mentioned it to my wife last night I was like I kind of wish kind of wish Abby could be up for this but um that that's cool though I'm, I'm so glad you got to experience that with with your mom and um you know celebrating stuff like that with, with parents is always really neat my dad and I talked on the phone this morning uh, on my entire drive into work um didn't get to talk to him last night because he, he had to be up super early this morning but he, he took a break at work to step outside and, and give me a phone call because he knew I'd be able to take a phone call at that point and you know for my 20 or so minute drive we just talked about the team and the game the whole time so that was you know that that's just that's really cool man it's just so shout out to to you and your mom I'm, I'm glad you two got to got to experience that last night yeah and and my my quick story was that on Sunday I mentioned that I was at the uh, at the battery for game five um now the battery was was completely insane and in, in retrospect probably not the best place for me to bring my uh my 76 year old father um but i did uh and while the it wasn't you know the magical ending i was hoping to share with my dad um the the game's not what i'm gonna remember about that day what i what i'm gonna be, remember about that day is sitting down with my dad and for the first time in in a while all we talked about for probably four or five hours that day was baseball yeah now now my dad grew up a baseball player um he was he was an outstanding high school pitcher he went on to play division three ball at marietta college in ohio um this guy knows the game. He hasn't kept up with it terribly well since then, um, but he he knows baseball. And odd as it may sound, we we hadn't had just a baseball conversation in a while. Yeah. And the fact that that the Braves gave me the opportunity to to do that again with my dad was really really cool for sure man for sure um all right moving on to the next text message it says this has been an awesome and emotional season I've, I've only been a braves fan for about three years but i suffered a serious injury in late march as a volunteer firefighter and spent 17 days in the burn unit Day three was opening day. 
and I fell back in love with baseball. And I watched every Braves game this season and quite a few other baseball games as well. This season carried me through the hardest part of my recovery. And for it to end on top like this is absolutely crazy. I love following you guys throughout the season as well. Let's go Braves. Whew. All right. Um, first off, I hope that, you know, I hope that recovery is, is still going well for you and that, you know, you're, you're doing well now, but you know, man, I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for texting into the show. Um, that's that's super cool. That, that, that's, Thank that's, you for for your service as a first responder. Yeah. Um, God, you've really been through it, and and celebrate this one. That that you know that, that this is for you just as much as it is for for all of us. I, I don't care how long you've been a fan and, and enjoy it's, this. That, that's awesome. It's super cliche at this point, but. How can you not be romantic about baseball? I know. I know. Very, very cool. So keep, uh, um, keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing and, you know, keep, keep going out there, man, and, and, and go Braves. Again, thank you. Thank you for texting in. That That's super cool. So remembering that last text message, it's, it's kind of cool how this next one starts out. Firefighter slash paramedic from North Georgia here. Holy cow. Watched the entire series from our fire station and at home with my twin boys who are turning four this week. Awesome. Loved, loved every second of it. To watch my boys jump around and scream with me is one of the biggest highlights of my entire life. Like everyone else, I've waited since 1995 for redemption. Signed, Freddie. The curse is broken. Go Braves. <laughs> Well, again, thank you for your service as a first responder. Thank you for texting into the show. That is absolutely killer that you got to experience that with your two boys, man. I, I that is that is just so cool to hear, and I'm sure that, that you know they'll they'll remember that just as well as you will. Um, that that's just so cool, so cool to me. I, right. I, 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 just just to go on a quick diatribe, man. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm so happy to hear these folks texting and calling in about, you know, celebrating this moment with their family, because, you know, you and I can both relate to being baseball fans because of the families that we grew up in. And then, you know, I, I can tell you that, you know, while baseball might not necessarily hold my daughter's attention uh, for the longest of time right now, I, I, I tell you the thing that just tickles me the most. And she started doing it this season is that, you know, we'd finish up with supper She'd help me, you know, feed the dogs and, you know, we'd get cleaned up. And then, you know, night after night, she would always say, you know, Daddy, we watch baseball now. Oh, man. And like, it's just, it's just the coolest to me. And sure, she may only watch for about 10 minutes with me. But the fact that, you know, that is her immediate thought that, you know, now she knows it's time for baseball to be on. That's just that's so cool to me. And so, you know, to hear other folks talking about celebrating with their families and their kids and their parents like this, that's that's just that that's that's the coolest. All right. So going through these texts and vo voicemails has has taken a pretty emotional turn. Um, so we need to lighten the mood a bit here. 
Uh-oh. And Cam, when I say we need to lighten the mood with a voicemail, who do you think of? Mr. Trucker High Beams himself, Joe Seppi. Mr. Flying J Chicken Strips himself, Joe Seppi called in. Oh, God. So let's see what Joe's got to say. Hey, boys. Me, Joe, on the road, New Mexico, bearing down on love in Las Cruces. What? Anyways, I guess there was like a game last night. Something happened. You guys are happy. I wanted to be the 69th to be able to congratulate you guys on, uh, Absolutely nothing. You didn't do anything. You guys know you're not even on the team. Even though I put a jock strap on, doubt it. What a series, huh? Just the underdog, little Bravos there with the all those little home runs they hit. Oh my gosh! I'm just so nauseated trying to congratulate uh, like you guys, but. Uh, <laughs> Love you too, Joe. Appreciate that the is, birthday uh, shout out. That is everybody's favorite Mets fan, Mr. Giuseppe. <laughs> he seems so thrilled. That, reminding us that we, in fact, did absolutely nothing. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, you know. <laughs> my, my favorite bit whenever Joe calls in is he always asks, has it been three minutes? <laughs> so, yeah. Have I, have I hit my time limit yet? <laughs> Every single time he calls, and it cracks me up every time. Oh, oh man. So good. All right. Um, let's see. So, got another text message. Says, uh, Dansby's stats didn't look too hot, but he came up pretty big a few times in this series. I don't know about, Solaire, uh, about signing Solaire to a long-term deal, but pay the fuck out of him for next year. <laughs> Yeah. Go yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And, you know, not not to and, and we, we have time to do this before we wrap things up for this season. But, you know, with the revenue that that, that team just pulled in for this postseason. I, I hope there's no a, excuses. No, yeah, there's, there's no excuses. excuse. There, there has to be a significant jump in payroll. Has, has to be. To be. Because if we could do what we just did with our mid-tier payroll this season, imagine what we could do with a top 
10 payroll. Oh, God. We would be a problem <laughs> for a lot of people. Indeed. All right, here's the next text message. It says, I really hope this gets read. Well, good news for you. I'm reading it. I'm a 20-year-old college student who has never been to any professional sporting events besides Braves games. As a rec league ball player when I was six, I got to go to my first Braves game and run the bases. I never knew it would start a lifetime of fandom that would culminate in me waking my neighbors up on a Tuesday night when I have a 10 a.m. class on Wednesday. We are those motherfuckers. Let's go, Braves, until the end of time. Yes. I love, love it. it. I love it. Keep love this it. energy forever. But All also, right. don't complain about having to be somewhere at 10 a.m. because that is nothing. Oh, it's only going to get worse for the rest of your life. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> you just wait. I, did, I didn't get to bed till 3 a.m., and then I had to get up at 6 this morning. I'm doing this <laughs> podcast on three hours of sleep. <laughs> and I'm a year older now. This sucks. <laughs> All right. Um, here's our next voicemail. Let's see what this one's got. Hey, guys. Appreciate the work you do on the pod and on Twitter. Uh, this is James from up around Washington, D.C. Just want to say, oh, my gosh, how awesome is this? And uh, the team really helped me get through COVID, right, the last year and being one little away from the World Series and pulling it off this year and living and dying by every game on MLB Network and throughout Network. Just wanted to ask you guys, what did this Brave team help you guys with? I know it was fun, but so many stories about what the team meant to different people. Just want to hear from y'all. Appreciate everything you do again. The pod, the humor, the community you've built on Twitter. Thanks. Bye. Oh, good stuff. Thanks, James. Yeah. got it. Okay, so got a question for us. Said, uh, what, what has this team Ooh. done for us? Um. Well, I mean, what I, hasn't this team done for us? At this yeah, point? yeah. I mean, I, I think you know the obvious answer is that you know, for me personally, this team gave me the best birthday present I've ever received, and you know, gave me you know vindication for sticking with the team and being a baseball fan as long as I have while watching others around me get to celebrate their team's success. But, um, like a, a super specific thing, you know, and I've talked about it on the show all season long is that, you know, in the process of, of building a house that, you know, there were a lot of nights where I got off work. I came home, my ate a bite. I went over to our lot to do some work and I just, I went over there, I would put my earbuds in and listen to the radio broadcast of the game until it got dark while I, you know, did work around the side of my future home. And so, you know, and a lot of times it's a lot of just mundane kind of work, but it was, it, it was super helpful just to again, be able to listen to a Braves baseball game, especially in the early part of the summer where we were missing that last year. So, you know, I think, as hard as the first part of this season was, at least we had baseball this year in the first half of the season, unlike right. last year. So yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of how I, I looked at it. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna parrot James here a little bit. Um, you know this this team and, and being able to you know in 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 very amateurish fashion 
cover this team to an extent, um, did get me, me and I, I'm sure you as well, through the last year and a half of, of madness that we've all experienced. Um, yeah. You know, it, it when when we were all at home there for a few months, um, you know, days and weeks started losing structure. Um, everything just sort of blended together. Uh, and doing this show and being able to cover what was going on with the Braves, um, even when there wasn't baseball, uh, was a bit of structure in life that I was missing for a while there. Um, so that was, that was huge. Uh, and, and more personally, um, doing, doing this show, covering the Braves a little bit has, has given us opportunities to, to speak to some people that, that we would never have otherwise had the opportunity to speak with. Um, and This I talked earlier at length about uh, what what Tucker Davidson coming on this show um, meant to me and what I thought that that said about him personally. Um, this guy was was DMing back and forth with me like throughout the postseason. Um, and and that whether or not he knows it. And whether or not it was just, you know, little throwaway comments here and there, um, that made this incredibly special. Um, whether or not it's real, it made me feel more connected to the team. Um, I, I, I had this guy sending me messages about how he was a champ now while these guys were in the locker room spraying each other with champagne. And and that's that's a little thing that was probably nothing to him, but I'm I'm going to brag about that to to my grandkids' grandkids if I have the opportunity. Yeah. Um there's just it, it's a special team. You you all know this. Um, it's a special team, and we've just gotten to watch possibly the most special season this team's ever had. Um, and I don't know how many more words there are to to describe it than that. That's right. All right, so uh, back to the voicemail line. Um, let's see what we've got here. How's it going, fellas? Your boy Goldberg here. Uh, just wanted to call in and say congratulations. Uh, it's been a hell of a year. Uh, just want to thank both of you for everything y'all have done with this podcast. I've enjoyed listening this year, uh, all through the season. You guys, uh, you really helped reignite uh, part of my fandom that I thought kind of waned away the older I got. Uh, I was nine years old 
in 95. I vaguely remember it. But getting to see it and experience it with all the Braves country, Braves fan, Braves family this year, it, it was unlike anything. And I, I had my emotions last night. I'm trying to stop to have them right now, but I'm super excited for you guys and for Braves country. And I can't wait to hear uh, what happens next season. Thanks, Goldberg. Goldberg. Thank you, man. Um, Josh Goldberg has called into the show quite a few times, sent us a bunch of text messages, is actually a, a supporter of ours on on Patreon, um, yeah. which if you want to do, you can go to patreon.com slash chatting average and check that out. Um, but we just got done talking about what the team has done for us. Um Josh is a fantastic example of what what you guys have done for us. Um, the, the support that we get from anyone who's even listening, let alone buying T-shirts or or throwing us a few bucks on Patreon uh, is is huge and and really what keeps us going. Um, you know, getting a voicemail here and there maybe in the low times when we might not have a lot of content, um, that means something. That that gives us a feeling of purpose for this show. Um, thank you, dude. Uh, really appreciate you. You helped make this season special for, for me, and I'm sure Cam as well. Oh, I mean, for sure. So, I mean, in case you weren't aware, Josh is... Uh, family member of mine but also you know family member by marriage but you know he, he he's family and then of course i consider him one of my very best friends and you know he's he's again he's one of those guys that during the season we text game in game out and you know we get together and watch games and you know you know he and i got to experience last night you know i think from a, kind of a similar place where you know this felt like a finally moment as, as it did for I think for a lot of people so um it, it, it was very cool to you know get to experience that and I gosh he and I've been texting all day today you know sending each other different things that we're seeing so um it's it, it's it's really cool and you know Josh has become a part of Braves Twitter as well so give him a follow if you haven't already Joshua Goldberg um but yeah, th- thanks again for your support, buddy, and uh, lo- looking looking forward to next year, man. Absolutely. And that brings us to our last message of the night. Uh, this is from at UA Burger Guy on Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, hits a couple of bullet points here. He says, one, I have eaten every word I've ever said about Alex Anthopoulos and Will Smith. And, buddy, so have I. And so have a lot of people. And those words were delicious. Uh, two. Snit never changed closers because he knew that Will Smith would need that confidence heading into the postseason. And that that's a really good point that... Um, I don't think I'd considered before just now reading your text message. 
Um, Say, Alex, how, how many how many runs did Will Smith allow in the postseason? None. <laughs> none. Zero. <laughs> if it was it's possible a- to allow less than zero runs, Will Smith would have done so. And like he never really. I mean, sure, there were there were a few instances where maybe the tying run was at first or the tying run was at the plate. Yeah, you know? like, like, look, leadoff guy, it seemed like, almost always got on against Will. But um, un- unlike the regular season, other than that, he really never dealt with, like, a ton of traffic on the bases. Right. So and even and then, he's got, he has a little bit of that Luke Jackson thing in him where if it's a clean inning, He's probably not going to have his best stuff, but let someone get on the base paths and all of a sudden he's a stone cold killer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number three, the Atlanta Braves are good at baseball and this was not David versus Goliath. This was Hagler Hearns. Okay. Which for for those of you who who might not be boxing fans, I am. Uh, Hagler Hearns was one of the all time great slugfests of a boxing match, and and I think that's a, a very appropriate way to describe what we saw in the last two rounds of this postseason. Um, now if. If you just stick to national media, um, yes, it sure. It probably seemed like David versus Goliath when we were playing the Dodgers and when we were playing the Astros. But the Atlanta Braves were always better than what the national media thought we were. And and, uh, we knew this. We knew what this team was capable of if things started clicking right. And we finally got to see them start clicking right. So that's a that's that's a very good way to describe the 2021 postseason for the Atlanta Braves. All right, number four. I watched Hinsky Joy turn to Conrad Payne. I had the Cardinals and the Giants break my heart. I watched the Dodgers play like a 250 million dollar roster. And all of that made last night even sweeter. You're damn right it did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You, you went back back to before the rebuild. Um, We've seen hard times. Hard times, daddy. Um, yeah. It, yeah. We, we have had our fair share of heartbreak o- over the years. But, golly, I, I tell you, I think, you know, I don't know if you ever necessarily forget those moments, but last night certainly helps alleviate them, I I would say. I'm going to remember them fondly. Well, and, and winning any, cures all. Any Exactly. Any And any time someone wants to bring up an example of the Braves letting us down, we we forever have something to say in return. You can't take this one away from us. We're, we're nope. going to have it for the rest of our lives. Bingo. Number five. Said it earlier. He says it again. 
how can you not be romantic about baseball? Man, it's it's a, it's a hell of a story. And, and, you know, honestly, we could, hell, it might be what we do next week. You can literally go to the baseball reference page and player by player that appeared for the Braves this season. There's a story that goes with each and every one of those guys. Absolutely. This wasn't supposed to be our fate this season. Like, this, none of this was supposed to happen. And yet, somehow, we, we managed to, to flip the script and to steal Freddie Freeman's phrase. The, the narrative about Atlanta sports is, is dead. As we sit here today, you cannot besmirch Atlanta sports anymore. No, sir. Before we wrap up, I, I, I want to read you a small list of players who saw time on the field for the 2021 Atlanta Braves. Abraham Almonte. This guy he was our cleanup up, hitter for a little while. He was our freaking cleanup hitter. Kevin Smith. Say what you want about his bat, but he he held it down behind the plate for the majority of this season. (laughs) Um, Here's here's a name I haven't said in a bunch of episodes. Nate Jones. Nate Jones sure did come out of that bullpen. (laughs) How about Jeff Mathis? Oh, man, Jeff Mathis. Again. The revolving door of catchers that we saw this year. Jeff Mathis put on the equipment and got back there for us. Let's stick with catchers. How about Jonathan Lucroy? <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> and and going back to the well, Stephen Vogt. 2021 Stephen Vogt. World Series champion, Stephen Vogt. Uh, yes, yeah, Stephen Vogt celebrating on field last night with the guys. Had Here's, had a lot to do with building the morale of that locker room back up, which there's some cool stories out about that. Here are a couple of relief pitchers that that you'll like in particular, Cam. Okay. Carl Edwards Jr. Carl and Jesse Biddle. Baby, man, Jesse Biddle, Carl Edwards Jr. And Paul Edwards Jr., we, we expected to be a big piece of this bullpen I really thought this year. he was going to be huge for us. How about Ender yeah. and Ciarte? Oh, man. Ender. It, it was the end of an era. It was, it was a, truly, it was truly the end. He's got a ring now. He, he does have a ring. Alex Jackson. That's, let's see, just, just from this list, that is... Uh, one, two, three, four, five catchers who played for the Braves that are no longer with the team. And I, 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 I truly hope Alex Jackson figures it out because I think he's still got a ton of potential, just as long as it's not when we play the Marlins. Right. All right, and I'm and I'm gonna wrap this up with with the best name on this list. Sean Kazmar Jr. 
What a story. What a, what a just. Whew, what a Sean story, man. Sean Kazmar Jr. gets to go to sleep tonight and every night for the rest of his life, a World Series champion. too it's just it's just too great man it's it's so great i'm never gonna stop saying it how how can you not be romantic about baseball it's just and this season this season has certainly proved it but it is just such a weird wacky wonderful tragic emotional ridiculous game that we all all follow so closely and you know there are some days where you wonder why in god's name you're gonna sit down at at seven o'clock to to see what they do next but then last night you know it just it justifies the dedication and, and the commitment of your time that you give these group of guys that, you know, are going out there and and busting their hump and eventually, you know, it pays off and and things do go right and curses quote unquote do get broken. And, you know, if if you're fortunate enough to see it come along at some point, you know, you get to experience your favorite team hoisting up a, a piece of metal. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of the Chatting Average podcast. We will see y'all right here next week to talk a little bit more about your world champion, Atlanta Braves. Bye!